People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time, each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> Give me a name. I like him. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, him. in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, the leader, the hardcore wrestling intelligentsia, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? I feel like uh, every week there's dead wrestlers to talk about. Why, why do these guys keep dying? I don't know. It's been a, yeah, it's been a run of it lately. I mean, in terms of, of and important figures too, it's not like, you know, you, you have your, your, you know, your guys here and there, you know, there's, there's been, you know, kind of the tertiary guys, your third tier guys, the guys that, you know, just kind of were regional dudes or territory guys and whatnot, but there's been some heavy hitters too. And we're going to talk about one of them here in a minute uh, as well. But yeah, you get Jim Neidhart, you get, yeah, I mean, just, it, it, it's been, it's been quite a few weeks. I mean, I, I, I don't want to have to lead off our show or close our show with obituaries every single month or every single week, I should say. But uh, we've been kind of doing that the last like three or four weeks. Not by not by choice, though, unfortunately. Yeah. So this week it's uh, Chris Champion and Viano three who passed away. I think they passed away like within 24 hours of each other. So. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Viano was Monday, if I remember correctly. And then Champion was, I think, when I woke up Tuesday, I think they, uh, that he had been mentioned as well. Now, I'll be the insensitive one. So, Viano 3, he was just old, right? Only like 66. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think he was. Um, yeah, Champion's going to be your more kind of tragic tale because I think he was still. Though he did have a, a, a litany of health injuries or uh, health issues. I should say, yeah, Viano was, uh, he was 66. I mean, that's, you know, hey, that's, that's a good run. It's I'll be, not, right. I'll be all right I if I live to 66, you know. I'd like to go a little past 66, but <laughs> he, he, he died because he said, like, I don't know the cause of death either, man. So what I'm getting around to here is what the hell, how did Chris Champion die? Because he was 57 years old. Yeah, so I think that he had a stroke about 10 or so years ago, and I don't know that he had ever really quite okay. gotten back to the same after that. I, I don't know if they've actually officially announced what he died of yet, but I do know that, that he, uh, yeah, he had a stroke. I uh, forget when it was. It was it was sometime later in his, uh, you know, 2002, somewhere around that range. And, and from what I've heard, it was tough for him to kind of get back. Even though he was able to do some stuff, he was able to wrestle then after the stroke, but it just was like he was never quite right. I mean, you you have a stroke, you're never, you're always kind of, not quite always there just because of any, any sort of thing can happen. You know what I mean? You can, you can live a very normal life, but you know, you're more prone to a lot of things as well. You know, post stroke. Yeah. Stro- strokes are shit. They're rough. Yeah. You don't want to have one of those. Now, Viano three was 66. I've just, you know, I haven't read any of the stories or anything on him. I just assumed he died of natural causes of being, 
I see. I don't think that's very old in this day and age. I don't know, but it is an age where you you start to say, "Yeah, he might have just had his time." It, it looks like so. I'm I'm reading here, and this is actually the first I've ever read of it. Actually, while we're on the air here, uh, he had some sort of it, cerebral infraction, is what they're calling it. The official word. It's a blockage or narrowing in the arteries supplying blood and oxygen to the brain. So I don't know if that's something that sounds that, a. You know, that sounds a lot like a stroke. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know if that's like brought on by something or if it's just something that just kind of happens and, and, and people die from it. But uh, yeah, it's unfortunate uh, for him. But yeah, 6'6 six, six is, I, I guess, yeah, as, as you're sort of saying, it does seem a little young, but it's not really, I, I don't know. For me, it doesn't strike me as, as quite tragic. And I guess uh, the Chris Champion one doesn't necessarily either just because of sort of the circumstances around it. But it's it's not great either when, when these guys are dying, you know, in their 60s, 50s, and, and sometimes even earlier than that. Yeah, yeah. I guess 66 not is not an eyebrow-raising age, although you'd like to uh, beat that mark by a few years, I would think. Although Rich apparently doesn't. He'd like to No, I'm gone. good. I'm good at 66. That's enough. Okay. I'd like to beat it. I'd like to beat 66. Well, you, you said you want to be, like, really old, right? You want to be... Like well, how well, Rich, old is yeah. old? Well, if I had my choice, I'd live forever. Okay, right, right. I, I have before. a morbid. Why? I don't know why you'd want to live forever. I'd be a wouldn't because at a certain point, like, are are you saying live forever in like the current state that you are, or do you want to live forever as like, you know, just in a wheelchair bound? Like, are you still deteriorating? Is your health still deteriorating in this forever scenario, or are you listen, like okay and healthy and and ready to go? Well, listen, if if I'm saying I want to live forever, it's obviously some kind of fantasy scenario. So <laughs> No, no, I want an actual answer to this, Joe. All right. I'm not going to be 280 years old or 280,000 years old and just be a shriveled up. Right, but I mean, I mean like, it, like 112. But, like when you say live forever, like I, to me, like, hey, you know, look, if I can go to 112 and I still have my wits about me, I'm OK with that. I'll go to 112. OK. Do I want to be shitting myself? And- <laughs> That's what I mean, though. Isn't that kind of inevitable? And doesn't that kind of hurt? Well, I mean, not always. Sometimes you see these 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 people. They're a hundred, or they're in their nineties, or and and they're actually, you know, they're doing their thing. You know, they're they're out there. They're sending their picture to Al Roker and and getting their shout outs on the air, and they're fucking they're they're wiping their own shit and they're eating their own meals. And I, I wouldn't mind being in that state at that age. But you, I see what you're saying. You don't want to be helpless and senile and just basically just breathing but not really there yeah you're not no, living you're just alive that. you're not living you're just alive or whatever yeah whereas it was a little bit different like yeah the nurse's grandma and obviously i guess my grandma as well uh she's like 94 95 or whatever and she's like sharp as a knife i mean she she drives too which is horrifying i do not like being in the car with her but she doesn't want other people to drive so that is a uh, an experience but uh yeah it's but you like, could have yeah. a re- you could have conversations where like like she's oh yeah, yeah yeah no there's nothing i mean she's 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 fine like she's a perfect i've had i've had worse conversations with people half her age you know what i mean like people that i'm assuming yeah. are brain dead even though they're half to her age or whatever well yeah she's as sharp as a knife knows everything knows your name and she she never forgets anything and it, it, it's you know almost to a fault sometimes but it's uh it's pretty great you know so that's that's the way to go i mean to be that i would take that she still works out she's got you know boyfriends at the gym like she's she's out and about doing her thing that's that's pretty awesome see i would take that I, if, if you i'd sign for that right now then no problem with that you know you just got to deal with some really bad skin other than that, you know, yeah, no hair, no living life. bad skin. You're not. Yeah, who cares? It's fine. But yeah, no. see, the problem is for me, I, I'm positive that like by six, six, I'm just going to be brain dead and like just an idiot. And they're just going to stick. What the hell the is TV. wrong with you? Why would you be know. brain dead by six? No, I just think I'm just going to not like brain, like actual, like not like, you know, medically brain dead, but just like they just wheel me in front of a TV and like I just watch TV. All the time. By 66. Hopefully, hopefully not. In the retirement community is to so I have to talk to you for three hours a week. So, you know, anything is doing the show when you're 66. 
Oh God. Can you imagine? Oh, I could imagine. I'm planning on it. Well, you, you would be 112 when we do that. So that'd be interesting. Uh, you know, you had to go for the hack joke. <laughs> you had to go for the hack it's joke. It's been a while. It's been a while to be fair. I've been nice. Ever since you got married, I've been nice about the age jokes. So that's true. Um, so let's talk about these wrestlers now. We, we, if you're looking for a cause of death, uh, we can't help you very much there, as you can see. Um, but uh, we can talk about their careers a little bit. So we'll start with Viano 3. Now, this dude, what everybody instantly will think of when they think of Viano 3 is the match against Atlantis. This is considered one of – okay, let me phrase it to you this way. This won a um, observer match of the year. What year was that? Uh, 2000. That was uh, 2000, 2000, right? Yep. Okay, the only lucha match to win that, correct? Did the Art Bar? I thought that one did. Let me let me confirm that though. Eddie um, Guerrero versus uh, Octagon and El Hijo del Santo. Did I that? that thought that win. did. Let let me confirm that because there's people screaming about it right now. But I'm, now, I'm I thought that one did. But I'll, but I'll, I'll I'll figure out for sure. Even if it did, this Atlantis Viano three match might be the only match to take place in Mexico to win match of the year in the observer poll, because of course that match took place in Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. It did not actually the razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels ladder match from uh, mania. Oh, won that year. So, that yeah. Year, huh? Yeah. So 2000, yeah. Uh, that is your only Mexico uh, match of the year, as far as I can tell. So the only Lucha match and the only match to take place in Mexico, I believe it has both of those distinctions. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I'm looking, uh, looking right at now, the list. even, even past ones. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it yeah. is the first and only. Yeah. So now Lucha always does horrible, just does horrible in the Observer uh, Awards for whatever reason. Uh, there's just more voters that pay attention to uh, American and Canadian wrestling and Japanese wrestling when it comes to those polls. So there may have been Lucha matches. Uh, at, hey, I think we probably just named one, even though it took place in LA. I mean, that match, you know, um, you don't happen to have. I'm asking a lot here for uh, something we didn't prepare for, but you don't happen to have where that match finished in 1994. Um, give me a, give me a minute. I can, I can probably do that. Give me, give me, uh, give, me a, give me a second. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, as you try to pull that up, but I'd be curious where that match finished because that was a, a Lucha match, which had a lot of attention in the United States at the mm-hmm. time, obviously being on the when worlds collide pay-per-view and really that pay-per-view for, for a lot of people was a jumping point into paying more attention and following Lucha uh, closer. And, you know, with that event and, and that obviously being the, uh, the best match on that show and, and what now is considered a legendary match. But that aside, Atlantis versus Viano 3, Mask versus Mask 2000, Observer Match of the Year, and for a Lucha match, especially one that took place in Mexico, to win Observer Match of the Year, you know, it had to be something special. Many people consider it. And this is what I was going to ask you. Is it fair to say that uh, there are people who consider this one of the best matches of all time? I mean, oh, you, absolutely. You do, no, yeah, you certainly. Yeah. And, and especially if you are into Lucha and follow Lucha heavily. I mean, this is absolutely one that that um, that people bring up all the time and one that, you know, it, it's one of the ones that I always say that that I've seen. You know, I've seen the, the art bar one, of course, I've seen, you know, my handful of the top, top tier Lucha matches. But this is one that I've absolutely seen before. And I think most fans that are i'm not gonna say casual fans but most hardcore wrestling fans even if you don't watch a ton of lucha you've probably seen this match you've heard of this match you've seen this match even people that download you know torrent packs of matches of the years or whatever this comes up you know what i mean that's one that is going to be seen by a lot of your hardcore wrestling fans and and i think you know 
reviewed quite well as well from from people that are more hardcore lucha fans and obviously by getting to the observer you know match of the year one that people even in that time even when there was and and 2000s not like an easy year either to win it's not like it was a year where there was a bunch of shitty wrestling all across the world i mean you had amazing stuff going on in japan you have really good stuff even in america as well so there was a plenty of competition for it and for it to still win you know it speaks a little a lot to how important it was to, to so many people well how about 2000 just the getting your hands on the match Right, yeah, of course. It was a lot different than today. I mean, you're not flipping on a stream uh, like you can now and watching it live. I mean, you know, you you had to um, you had to jump through some hoops to to get a hold of a match like that 18 years ago, uh, and for it to to get in enough hands and then impress those people enough to vote it match of the year. Uh, you know, it's it's again, like I said, it's the only lucha match, only match to take place in Mexico ever to win. It had to be something special. So Viano three now. Of course, he is one of five Vianos. They were the sons of Ray Mendoza. Uh, they got the gimmick. It's very simple, straightforward gimmick, Rich. You're not going to believe this, but Viano means villain. Did you know that? I did. I did. That's one Oh, of you did? Few. Okay. So, I think it's one of like nine, only because of wrestling, one of like the nine Spanish words I actually know. So, yeah. Yes. Rich, not the biggest. Uh, I am not the biggest lucha aficionado. Rich is even less so than me. So, listen, I got to ask these questions. I don't know. So, very straightforward gimmick. Uh, they were the villains, these five brothers, the sons of uh, Mendoza. And they got this gimmick from a uh, movie role that their father, uh, you know, took on in the 60s and and it went from there. I think uh, several of these uh, gentlemen of these brothers have passed away now. Uh, I know that at least two others have passed. Um, let me see. Viano one. Yeah. Viano one died in 2001 okay. at the age of 50. I'm going to go right down the line. Viano two. He died in 1989 at the age of 39. So, they died now, now. Rich, that's dying young. Yeah, that's right? not great. 50 no, that's, 39. Yeah, you don't want 30. 39's not great at all. You, those <laughs> those are not uh those are not ideal. I think you would even agree. Okay. Yes. That, no, uh, I do not want to die at 39. That's it's uh only it's eight more years for me, and I don't like that much. So yeah, I'd like to like to live past that if I could. Yeah. Now Viano four and five, these are the two that a lot of our listeners may be very familiar with, because those are the dudes. That wrestled in WCW. You're right. So if you were, you know, around during the Monday Night War era of WCW, you saw Viano 4 and Viano 5 wrestle plenty. Now, did you see them in 20-minute classics? You didn't because they were wrestling in WCW during an era where they employed all these luchadors and just did not push them at all. Unless your name was Rey Mysterio Jr. or Juventud Guerrera, psychosis to a degree. Yeah. Uh, who else? Conan, and maybe that's about it. Yeah, that's about um, it. I mean, you have your little guys here and there, your little bit players that would pop up here and there. But yeah, for the most part, the rest of the dudes were just anonymous luchadors that would come out, you know, for multi man matches, come out for battle royals, and and basically just get choke slammed by the giant whenever they needed to get to the next segment. So, yeah, you know, and and treated like jokes. And I mean, they had they had you know. Um, Spots in WCW, I guess, on on national yeah. television, and, all well, that. And, and particularly the Vianos as well, because they were heavier set. You know what I mean? Like there, there was yeah. your, you know, your sequel pays or whatever were in good shape, and your, you know, the other guys that you mentioned, like your, you know, there was a bunch of other dudes, the Silver Kings and whatnot. We're all guys that yeah. that looked like they were, you know, competent pro wrestlers and whatnot. Your well, Liz Mark Dandy, yeah, Those guys all yeah. looked like, and they know, couldn't even get pushed. No, right. And then you had these like masked, you know, generic, tighted 
fat luchador dudes, and that was not going to go over well in WCW. Basically, they got laughed at for being fat and being luchadors. So Bobby right. Heenan was not so, going to give them any sort of time. Tony Schiavone was too busy talking about what was going on backstage or what's happening later. And Mike Tanay would sometimes interject with, oh, the Viano family or whatever, and they would just be like, oh, who cares, Mike? How do you know this shit, Mike? You're so stupid, Mike. And, and that was kind of it, so. Right. I mean, what Rich is saying is that's how the office saw these guys. Right. You'd see guys like Viano four or five. You're like, they're not when when guys like Liz Mark and 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 Hector Garza and 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 um you know some of the others that we named couldn't even gain any booking traction when they had uh looks that were more conducive to American wrestling, uh television wrestling, guys like Viano four and five didn't stand a chance, you know, no matter how good they were. And they they were never given opportunities to show. Uh, how good they were and you know and and some of the others you know the other great example that lucha fans would bang their heads against the wall about was el dandy who yeah, right, if right, you right. Talk to the big lucha fans they'll tell you that this guy was phenomenal you know he comes to wcw with his curly hair and his generic looking tights they never gave that guy a shot you know so and, and the only reason that, that a lot of non-lucha fans and wcw fans know of el dandy is the famous bret hart promo where he chose to use el dandy as as kind of the butt of his of his joke, cutting a heel promo, uh, which I mean, the thing about that was Gene Okerlund defended El Dandy in that promo. So it's <laughs> right, like right. I, I've heard people give you know be, you know ah, fuck Bret Hart. Well, first of all, it's a heel promo, okay, and he just picked a cruiserweight to pick on, and he probably thought the name El Dandy was pretty funny, so he picked El Dandy, but it's not like the baby face in this scenario, Gene Okerlund didn't defend him. He immediately said, ah, oh, stop it. He's a cruiserweight, you know, and, and a fine one at that and all this. He defended the guy. It's Bret Hart was being a bully as a heavyweight, picking a cruiserweight to pick on. So I, I think Bret Hart gets too much shit in some circles for that. But El Dandy's another guy who never had an opportunity, like Rich said. El Dandy and the and the, the two Vianos and, and some of the others – Silver King's another one, too, really, who, you know, they'd be in battle royals or these six-man matches. And oftentimes, you know, the NWO or, or you know, I was watching a battle royal earlier today with, uh, with the Giants. They'd run in and beat the shit out of everybody and cut a promo. And, and, and it's, you know, it's unfortunate that those guys never got a chance uh, to get some traction uh, because who knows what could have happened. Uh, if they were given legitimate pushes, at least, at, you know, at the cruiserweight title level or something, and they, they could have gone out. Look, um, La Parca is another good example. Yeah, I of mean, course. Yeah, God, La Parca was there, and, and he, he was the dude who jumped off the page. I mean, everybody knew he was awesome. The crowd loved him at the time as well. I mean, he was one of my favorite characters growing up when I was first kind of getting into, to, you know, Nitro and wrestling and whatnot. I mean, he because how does he not stand out? He's with a chair. He's got a dance. His mask looks amazing. And yeah, he didn't really. I mean, other than just kind of comedy stuff, he didn't do much. And we're going to talk a lot about him later, yes. but it's like that goes to show how charismatic he is in that he was one of those guys who never got a semblance of a push, but he got over. The other guys didn't get over, probably for why Rich is saying they didn't have that stereotypical American TV wrestling look. LaParca did. He did stand out and he was tall. That helped, too. A lot of the guys, they were short, you know, and, and that that hurt their cause as well. So but. Uh, Viano 3 was not one of those guys. <laughs> he did not wrestle yeah, on sorry. WCW. In our obituary, we're his, talking about everybody but Viano 3. <laughs> his, his brothers did. Uh, you may be familiar with his brother. Well, I saw some confusion online. Yeah, People yeah, said, yeah. Oh, I saw this guy in WCW. Uh, you know, Well, look, your heart's in the right place, but no, you didn't. 
You yeah. didn't see him in WCW. <laughs> he, he wasn't there. Um, you know, uh, he wrestled two matches at, at that Lucha taping. They did that never saw the light of day. I mean, he did not wrestle. He was not Which, one of by these. By the way, look at those cards. Those cards look amazing. I, I, and that's, you said that that's something that that's like the Holy grail for a lot of people, right? Those, yes. those cards. And they're never, they're never show up. It was like some random Lucha taping in Waco, Texas. Like there's no way under the WCW umbrella. Yeah, it was it called like um, Blitzkrieg and Ray Mysterio senior and Viano three. It's like, what the fuck? Viano three. Yeah. That, that was his closest brush with, you know, cracking through with America is he did work that taping. And I, I think they ran, did they run one show or two shows? I believe two. I believe it was two um, shows. It was called Lucha. It was called uh, WCW Festival de Lucha. Okay. It was uh, one TV taping in Waco. I think two shows in one day, something like that. And he wrestled Viano 3, two matches on that show. And this is what Rich is talking about. Listen to some of the names on the, these <laughs> wild shows. The Viano 3 match, uh, his matches, first he teamed with uh, El Tejano, Rey Mysterio Sr., and his brother uh, Viano 5, and they defeated Fidel Sierra, of course, the Cuban assassin, uh, Piroth Jr., uh, uh, Psycho Pata, I'm not familiar with him, and Ricky Santana. And then on the next show, it was Blitzkrieg, Piloto Suicida, and Raul, not familiar with that Raul. In fact, Raul is so obscure, he don't even have a cage match profile. <laughs> right, so, so nobody knows who Raul is, probably. I don't think anyone knows who Raul is. And they defeated uh, El Tejano, Rey Mysterio Sr. again, and Viano 3. Those are the only two matches he ever wrestled uh, for WCW. Obviously, they, that, you know, they never made tapes. People are still searching for those tapes. I think the network uploaded one of those matches that involved Chris Jericho. And that's really the only look that most people uh, 99.9% of the population has had at those, at those shows. I'm not sure Viano three ever wrestled in America outside of those two, um, you know, WCW shots in Waco, Texas. You know, I'm sure that, uh, some Lucha heads might be able to correct me if he worked some, uh, you know, low level border shows, some Lucha shows, uh, along the border. I mean, that's always entirely possible, but in terms of big time American wrestling, that was really his only shot. So he's not one of the two Vianos you saw in WCW. Those were his two, I assume, younger brothers. I, I'm not sure, but I assume they go in order of age. I mean, I, across, I guess that. Across. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I know he did work. He did have some Japan tours. He worked New Japan in the early 80s. So he did get to Japan a little bit. And then, uh, you know, he was predominantly a EMLL slash CMLL guy. Um for, for a large portion of his career. Yeah, UWA, UWA as well. Yeah, UWA was a big, he was a big part of, of creating UWA as well. And that's, um, I, I learned a lot of this as well because obviously I'm not a uh, Lucha historian, but uh, we published uh, an article uh, 2016, uh, October 2016. I'm going to put it in the show notes as well so you'll be able to see it by uh, Jared Goldberg uh, talking about Viano 3, uh, his legacy, uh, the match with Atlanta, so we're going to talk about it here in a sec. But uh, yeah, if you ever want to know the details, the history, everything about Viano 3 and his career, that article we'll we'll do it all i mean that will do more justice uh than you and i can do but uh yeah really really good stuff there so i'll link it in the show notes as well if you can't find it it's called uh viano three's legacy and losing it all to atlanta so if you just want to search for that as well uh, by jared goldberg on our site you'll be able to find it yeah i mean and if you're gonna go seek out the match you know obviously atlantis is still wearing the mask so spoiler alert uh viano three loses um but but yeah so i haven't seen the match in years i saw it uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Um, I, I tried to carve out some time today to watch it before we did the show, but I didn't have time. Um, I actually got wrapped up in the next guy we're going to talk about, um, you know, watching a bunch of bunch of Chris Champion stuff. But uh, but uh, do you remember 
watching the? Did you you said you watched the match, correct? Yeah, yeah, I watched it when uh, when Jared wrote the uh, the piece in 2016. I remember watching it, and I was able to kind of get I was able to get in the last like maybe ten minutes of the match before we did the recording here. So that I, I, which I wanted to do, I wanted to at least kind of get an idea of it again because I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, and and it's it's undoubtedly it's it's I always say this with with Lucha, and this is why we don't talk Lucha all that much here. We're gonna talk about this except for this week. This is our heavy Lucha week uh, that we do maybe once or twice a year or whatever. Um, it's a match that doesn't connect with me on a whole lot of levels. It's one that I don't really like all that much, but I know that obviously people that are into the style absolutely love it. And more than anything, the crowd fucking loves it as well. I mean, so it's, it's one of those ones that I can immediately just say, Hey, look, I don't have investment in these characters. I don't have investment in the stakes. So it's always going to be a little bit less for me. Cause I'm just looking at the in ring and I'm just looking at the wrestling and that sort of stuff. And that doesn't hook me all that much, but we talk about it all the time wrestling without stakes, wrestling without investment, wrestling without buy-in is, is, you know, unless it's really amazing work that just hits you on a, a, another level, you're probably not going to love it. And that's kind of where I'm at with this match is it's, you know, I can, I can appreciate what it was and, and, and who it was for and all that sort of stuff without necessarily me liking it. But I, you know, I'm not going to put it down or say it sucked or anything like that, because obviously people that are into the style, people that are aware of the history behind it, absolutely love it. And obviously the crowd there uh, loved it as well. So yeah, it's one that doesn't, you didn't love the Atlantis Ultimo Guerrero mask no, mask. No, magic. no, I didn't either. And I try every year. I, you know, and I'll do it again. You know, in a few weeks, I will try all the big ones. Well, maybe I won't do it this week. Uh, this time, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll talk about that here in a bit. But uh, yeah, I always try. I always do. But I just, I never have that same buy-in. It's, it's. I want to love Lucha. I want to really enjoy it because, I mean, and you were talking about WCW. Not to take this away from Viano Three again, but one of my first big things that caught me and caught my eye when I was watching Nitro. Um, as a kid and sort of getting into wrestling again was was the luchadors, seeing those guys and seeing the high flying and seeing the moves and all that sort of stuff and the masks and all this stuff and the pageantry and whatnot. I mean, it's awesome. It hooks you and it makes you want to learn more and, and love more. And I appreciate Lucha and I, I, I really do love it. I mean, I have masks in my you know office here as I'm recording and stuff because I love the idea of the masks. I love the, the looks of them. I love a lot about Lucha, but then the bell rings and I just, for whatever reason, it just never hooks me quite. I just never really love the matches all that much other than crazy Lucha stuff, uh, you know, create you know, there are certain matches, the 94 one, which I, I do. I did find out where that ranks as well. Uh, that's one that I, I, I do really like. And that's one that definitely, you know, lived on in my memory. And there's there's some here and there, but so it tends to be about the, the hair versus mask tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Guerrero's in the, in the uh, So actually, I'm stunned. It finished fourth. In oh, that match okay. the year. So uh, what, what stunned you about that? It did finish top five. I mean, I, I, I thought it'd be a little bit higher than that. I think so we've got Razor, sort of, so we got Razor yeah. Sean ladder match. Which I understand. I'm, I, I don't have a – I mean, I prefer the tag match myself. Sure. I, I do too. But, okay, but I get why people voted for Razor and Sean. Oh, especially 1994. Support. I mean, think of 1994, of that ladder match in 94. I mean, that's mind-blowing. Oh, yeah, yeah. it was a great match. I'm yeah. not – listen, I, I thought it was a great match. I just preferred the tag match. Yeah, what, sure. what was number two? Uh, this one's a little tough because this is pretty fucking incredible. Uh, it was Masao and Kawada. It was from June 3rd, uh, 1994. I do remember that match. Oh, yeah, match yeah. is pretty it's fucking match. awesome. So, that's, yeah. you know, that's fine. Not, all these matches are good. You know what I mean? It's not like the, the, the tag so match should have been number three. Ones. Yeah, number three was Sasuke versus uh, Wild Pegasus. Of course, Chris Benoit. That was from uh, New Japan uh, in April, April 16th. Uh, Sasuke yeah. Pegasus. Was that, the, that was the Jacob, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You, and, and then what was number five? What finished one match behind? Uh, Terry Funk's. Sabu and Shane Douglas, ECW from February 5th. Right. Another famous match. So that's some stiff competition. And those five are <laughs> way, I mean, those five are so far and ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Nobody else is even close. I mean, the, the, that number five match got 508 votes or 508 points, I should say. Points, the uh, yeah. the six or the sixth match got 281. So it's like 
and yeah. and even the difference between you know the, the one we're talking about the love machine guerrero uh octagon santo that one is 799 points number five the match the ecw match 508 so it, it's you know we're talking top top tier stuff here with these guys and that one got 85 first place votes as well uh the uh the the, the love machine guerrero uh santo octagon so that's you know wasn't you know real good competition it's just you're in a tough tough month with or a tough year that's i should a, say with a that's bunch a of tough stuff. year that's <laughs> yeah. no that's a, the, 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 the you got to remember that great sazuke um wild pegasus slash chris benoit match that was that dave gave that five stars yeah you know that's that's a legendary match too so you're just talking about just insane competition in those top those are five you, how many years do you think you get five legendary matches in your top five. I mean, I think there's probably some years, but I mean, and those are five matches where when pe- when you mention them, you know instantly what the match is. Right, right, right. You've seen it a hundred times. You know, you, you they're known as, you know, elite level legendary, you know, mem- super memorable matches. I don't know how many years. You definitely don't get that every year is, is what I'm getting at. But, uh, but yeah, so... I don't have a ton more to say about Viano 3 because I am not a, a, a massive lucha head. And I certainly, uh, you know, he, he really didn't work in the places that I was following super close when it comes to lucha either. You know, the big UWA guy early. By the time he was a CMLL, predominantly a CMLL guy, he was a little older. Uh, obviously, uh, he didn't come to WCW with his brothers. So beyond the Atlantis match, I don't have a ton to say either. Now, as far as the Atlantis match goes, I'm kind of with Rich. I mean, I'm never as hard on the quite as hard on the Lucha as he is, but I remember watching the match once and not being in love with it and not really understanding the hype. But again, that's coming from me. You know, don't don't listen to me or Rich when it comes to a big time Lucha match because, you know, it's just it's it's oftentimes not a style that's going to hit us in the right place. Um you know, I'm sure in 2000, it, it, it wasn't the match that I voted for. I can, I can, well, I probably didn't see it in 2000. Um, I didn't see it until, you know, a, a few years later. So, um, but that's Viano 3. So Chris Champion, 57. Again, I had no clue uh, what any of his health problems were. Rich went over that a little bit earlier. You think Chris Champion, you're really going to think two gimmicks. You're going to think New Breed. You're going to think Yoshi Kwan. I think that's what most people are going to think of. When they think of Chris Champion, uh, I guess we'll start with New Breed. They were put together, Chris Champion and Sean Royal in Florida. Uh, uh, that's where they came together originally as the New Breed. They were from the future, Rich. Yes. <laughs> it's the very distant future, by the way. It's 1986. They are from, Joe, get this, 2002. Yes. My God, the world is so much different in 2002. They hailed the from problem. years in the future. That's, <laughs> That's right. always, I love that. Like Epcot, you go to Epcot and it's like in the year 1997, like robots will be our slaves. <laughs> like, well, cars will no longer be like, you got to really, if you're going to do that, you, you really should just stretch it out. Like you'll watch movies now, like 2001 Space Odyssey and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, to be safe, go so far in the future that no one's ever going to actually know that. Like if you go 2,150 or, you know, no one's ever going to know that, you know, no one that's watching your movie is ever going to have a frame of mind. But the problem is if you go only 16 years in the future, we laugh at the new breed being like, hello, Mr. President, Dusty Rhodes. We are from the future. (laughs) It's like, yeah, we know 2002 was like, yeah, not that much different from 1986. You know, yeah, computers were were big, but you know, for the most part, it kind of stayed the same. 
A lot of things they said about 2002 weren't really that ridiculous. I mean, yeah, Dusty Dusty Rhodes was not president in 2002, as it turns out. But uh, they did talk about robots a lot. And I would say that robots have uh, entered our lives a lot more than they were in 1986 or whatever it was. They had futuristic haircuts, Rich. <laughs> right. They had like high top fades, which actually <laughs> they, they missed the mark on 2002. But pretty much Corey Graves' hair is what they have now or what they the new breed had. Similar. So they, yeah, they, they were a little too early on that. If they had just stretched out to 2018 or 2016 or whatever, they may have been able to nail it. They were a little too early on in 2002. Cause it's a little closer cropped, I guess, but yeah, similar, not, not, not bad at all. You know, uh, they, there was a, uh, I remember when they would wrestle in for, for Jim Crockett, they would like shout into the camera about Lasertron, which was a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> During the laser tag uh, craze of the '80s, they created a wrestler called Lasertron. I think it was Les Thatcher doing the Lasertron gimmick. Maybe the producer can boot that up quickly. Yeah, because when I think when I think about this, sure, I think Les Thatcher for sure. Les Thatcher yeah. was, like, was always sixty-one years old. You know it might have I mean? been one of the Guerreros, possibly Lasertron. It was one of those junior guys, uh, Lasertron. But I think it was Les Thatcher. It's always one of the. It's always one of the Guerreros. I always feel bad. I thought there's like a, something nobody knows. They just blame it on. <laughs> it's Hector. Just blame it on Hector. It's Hector. All right, I'm trying to find Lasertron here. This is but they would always. They would do moves and they would shout into the camera. How about that, Lasertron? Because the oh whole God, deal was, was Hector Guerrero. You're Hector right. Guerrero. There you go. Poor Hector. Poor Hector Guerrero. Yeah, I, I don't know where I came up with Les that, but I, I knew it was either him or one of the Guerreros for some. But anyway, because the idea was that Lasertron, they thought he was like they were feuding with him in 2002. I think was the deal. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they came back to like 87, he was still around. This sounds lame as shit, but it was actually kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like it, it sounds, sounds horrendous. Yeah, it actually was done pretty well. But it was awesome. Okay. It wasn't horrendous. It was actually great. Okay. And the thing about New Breed is they really did try to wrestle in a futuristic style. Like one of their big moves was like Royal would pick the guy up for a suplex and champion would would come off the top rope with a high cross body, you know, and 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 that, and for 1987, you know that 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 you know they were, you know, he was doing dives off of the top turnbuckle down to the floor, and they they were doing, they did wrestle a different style uh, than a lot of wrestlers were wrestling in in the mid the mid to late 80s. So, and and you know they had uh, wacky. They came down to. Uh, Beastie Boys, I think. Yeah, Fight for Your Right, Fight for Your Right's party. Yeah. But if you listen, if you watch them on the network, they, the, the you know, they obviously don't have the rights to the Beastie Boys on the network. It's, it's like it sounds like a Muzak version of the In Living Color theme that they come to the <laughs> ring to, which makes the gimmick even better, you know, because it's like they're coming down to this, you know, terrible version of, uh, of that. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the thing about New Breed was, you know, when they, they jumped from Florida to, to Crockett, and then. You know, they were on their way to a pretty big push. They were they were going to feud with the Rock and Roll Express. They got in a car accident. They both got hurt. Sean Royal came back first. Chris Champion was on the shelf a little longer. He had the gimmick with the cast that looked like a robot. Like he he, he claimed that his cast was a futuristic healing device. It had like circuits <laughs> on it. And, and um, Again, this so, sounds lame as fuck, but it's not. We promise. But it's not. And you have to watch them wrestle because they were – as heels, they were, they were very – 
expressive in the ring and they talked a lot of shit and they did a lot of cool moves. There was nothing not to like about them, especially his heels. So Royal came back as a singles wrestler, but they figured with the car accident, you know, it, it killed the rock and roll express feud. They were going to bring them back as baby faces. So then they did end up feuding with the midnight express for a little while after both of them got healthy again. And then uh, Sean Royal quit wrestling. And that was pretty much it for, for champion as well. Because the tag team broke up. What I always wondered was if they didn't get in that car accident and they had that feud with the Rock and Roll Express, what could have happened with these guys? Right. They were young. They had a great look. Uh, they were talented. They were cocky. They had some charisma. But the the car accident just uh, completely derailed them. And uh, they they came back as baby faces instead of heels. And then, uh, and then one dude quit. I mean, Sean Royal eventually came back and work some indies and work some new Japan tours and things like that. And then Chris champion, he didn't reemerge until Yoshi Kwan. But do you want to talk a little bit more about the new breed before we move on to Yoshi Kwan? Or do you, did I sum it up pretty well? I think you got the new breed all the way. Yeah. The, the only thing I will say is that, yeah, it, it's tough to find them on the network. I know you were having some issues earlier. Let me you tell look you up new breed that, and you're unfortunately going to get a lot of Elijah Burke. So that is yeah, always not only that. Show. Okay. So I tried two ways to look up Chris champion on yeah. the network. I typed in, Chris Champion into seems, the search. Seems box. like that should work, right? Right. Seems yeah. like that should work. And you know what you get? You get like a thousand results <laughs> of anyone named Chris who was in a title match. So you just have every Chris Jericho title match ever. And here's the thing Chris Jericho held a lot of titles, Rich, and was in a lot of title matches in WWF and WCW and ECW. So you have to fight through a slew of Chris Jericho title matches, Chris Candido title matches, anyone named Chris who ever held the title. And there's no, and and but here's the thing, here's what's weird about this. In cycling through all these matches, I did come across the one and only Yoshi Kwan match that exists on the network, a fall brawl match against Cactus Jack. So the search was intuitive enough to know that Yoshi Kwan is Chris Champion. But it wasn't intuitive enough to eliminate all of the title matches with people named Chris. This is why I hate the network search box. It fuck, you can't find what you're looking for. I, why, if I type Chris champion, does every person named Chris who was a champion come up? Who would look for it that way? Who's looking up Chris Jericho matches by typing Chris, Chris champion, champion into the box? Yeah. I want to see Chris Jericho cruiserweight title matches. I'll just type in Chris champion and see where that goes. Well, as we always say, there's one man who should be hired by WWE Network immediately, and that's Monsoon Classic, uh, the yes. YouTube page Monsoon Classic. And Joe, I know you know, I, I think you know this. We, we have talked about this before on the show. It's been many, many years. Uh, but he has an entire playlist that's called 2002 Presents the New Breed. So it's nice and easy. You hit play. It goes in chronological order, the entire run of the new breed on Monsoon Classic. So you, you don't have to worry. Someone's got you covered there. So, yeah, YouTube.com slash Monsoon Classic. Look up 2002 Presents the New Breed, an entire playlist of new breed. So Which should be a feature on the network, honestly, that whatever he's got going on there. Now, the good thing about their short run of only being a team for like a year and a couple months or whatever it was is you can watch their entire run. Yes, it only takes about a half hour. And every match is about two minutes long anyway. So you're good. They're in a lot of squash matches. OK, I did watch the only not, now that's the other thing. You look up new breed on the network and you get a bunch of Elijah Burke and Marcus Corvon and Kevin Thorne. And you get the new breed faction from WWE CW in like 2006 or whatever it was. But if you if you do, you know, then you do get a bunch of new breed matches, but they're all squashes because, again, they got in that car accident. and They really didn't have a chance. 
to have a lot of matches that well, they, they were building them up. They were getting them yes. to the point of feuding with the big teams. And that so, yeah, every match you see is them just kind of squashing a guy and then cutting a promo. You know, what I mean, it's, it's squash a team, cut a promo, squash a team, cut a promo. So it's all like, yes. you know, five minute matches or whatever. And you can see them building, building, building. And then all of a sudden it stops. It's just dead. And then you're like, ah, fuck. All right. <laughs> that's that's the end of that. And that's the unfortunate part about it is you see that they had an idea of, hey, we're going to build these guys up. If it was going to be successful, who the hell knows? We have no idea. But you can tell that they had a lot of you know muscle behind them and we're waiting to see what was going to happen when they got in the feud with the rock and roll and then it just stops and that's the unfortunate part about uh about the new breed and uh and, and I think Royal, so. well well yeah sean royal but i mean i i i think it would have worked out and i think they would have been stars um i'm not saying they would have been the rock but i think it would have worked out for them and and had they not gotten the accident there's a couple sean royal singles matches from when he comes back from the injury the only non-squash i was able to find on the network if you're looking for something easy to find, they did wrestle Bob and Brad Armstrong in the U.S. title tournament in 1987. That match goes about 20 minutes. I'm not going to give away the finish um, in case you want to watch it because it is kind of dramatic the way it ends. So if you want to see them in an extended match that is not a squash, it's actually a pretty good match. Uh, you know, the Armstrongs control it early and then uh, it builds to where the new breed as heels. Uh, Brad Armstrong is the face in peril. It builds to a Bullet Bob hot tag, which isn't the hottest tag of all time. Uh, but because Bullet Bob is kind of, it's probably about fifty at that point. Uh, but uh, but but overall, it's not a bad match. I'd go about three stars on it uh, through modern eyes, which means it was probably a lot better in nineteen eighty seven eyes. Um, I know we're gonna get shit for that, but you know it, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, but but you know oh, so you know shit? No, come on. So so they. New breed ended or whatever. 1993 rolls around. Chris Champion is back in WCW, but Rich, all of a sudden, the man is Asian. <laughs> um, so Yoshi Kwan is is a gimmick that it, that that you could just end it right there. Yoshi Kwan is a gimmick. Yep, that's <laughs> you can, that's, that's that's one way safe, to describe it. Safely say that that one is not uh, cracking TV in 2018. Uh, you know, it's. You want to talk about, I don't know how big of a, de, you know, cultural appropriation was not what it was in 1993 is what it is today. But Chris Champion comes out, of course, with uh, eye makeup to slant his eyes so he looks more Asian. And he is uh, supposedly a, a, of course, he's a master of the martial arts. Of course. Yeah. He's Asian. So, of course, everyone in Asia, Rich, as you know is a master of the martial arts. Uh, he does a lot of uh, karate chops, karate kicks. He gouges your eyes. He chops your throat. He's in the crane he's position managed. all the time. He's at, he's at the ready Always. for the martial arts. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a really lame like video <laughs> game character from like a Mortal Kombat knockoff. Is yeah, like a, terrible, a dollar store Mortal Kombat thing. Like somebody, like some other terrible game company decided to make a Mortal Kombat game and they made... Well, what, my favorite part about Yoshi Kwan is that he was supposed to be Yoshi Kwan and then Shivani just fucked it up, so they just decided to go with Yoshi instead. So is that true? Yeah, he was supposed to be Chinese, and then Shivani just kept calling him Yoshi because he's not. I mean, he's not Japanese. He's definitely Chinese. When he's he built from out. Hong Kong, right? Built from Hong Kong. <laughs> right. So he's not even. Yeah, he's not supposed. He's Asian. And he's not supposed to be he's Japanese. Like ambiguously Asian, but he's supposed to be Chinese, and then they just decided to call him Yoshi Kwan because Tony kept calling him Yoshi Kwan. So then he became Yoshi Kwan and he was billed from Asia, which is like quite a large, you know what I mean? Like a lot of places (laughs) are Asia, not just. Is he from from Laos? Is he from Vietnam? Is he from (laughs) India? India? Where is the man from? (laughs) You know, there's a lot of options here. Like, yeah, just, just, nope. He's from 
Asia? Is he from, you know, the, 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 the Russia? You know what I mean? I know he did build him from Hong Kong at some points, but yeah, yeah. But anyway, that lasted a few months, but in WCW. Yes. Uh, he did move on. He did do the same gimmick in Memphis. Makes um, sense. In 1996. Now, Rich, I happen to have, and don't ask me why, <laughs> the entire 1996 Memphis run on VHS. Uh, 1996, not exactly a classic Memphis year, uh, you know, <laughs> but for whatever reason, uh, you know, I tape traded for that in, in, in 1996. And then, and I do have all of the Yoshi Kwan USWA action that exists on tape. So I know, uh, look, if you're trying to get a hold of that, you know who to get a hold of. It's JL. It's your pal JL. Um, he wrestled the rock a few times in Memphis, as you discovered. Today. Yeah. A little flux Cavana. Yeah. Some flux Cavana Yoshi Kwan matches Yoshi that I Kwan. would love to check out. So. And Rich, he did the gimmick somewhere else, too. You want to let people know where else? <laughs> this blows my mind, and I only found out about it today, that Yoshi Kwan wrestled for Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling in Japan as Yoshi Kwan. How? How is that possible? I don't know. <laughs> of all, I mean, you can just get a Japanese guy. You don't have to bring in Chris Champion as Yoshi Kwan. I, I've never seen any of these matches, so I don't know if he was like this hated heel that everybody knew was being an asshole by faking that he was Japanese or, or Asian or whatever the hell. I don't know. All I know is that they brought Yoshi fucking Kwan into FMW, and he wrestled as Yoshi Kwan. In I know nothing of Yoshi Kwan's FMW run. Didn't see a single match. Couldn't tell you anything about it. Um, but yeah, they brought a fake Asian into an... <laughs> Asian wrestling company. I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, um, man was very white, very Caucasian. So I think, I mean, I assume. I mean, yeah, he was Caucasian very much. Right? I mean, yeah, if, if you want to do yourself a favor, look up Yoshi Kwan um, in, uh, in Google Images and you'll see just how horrible the gimmick was because they, uh, they put eyeliner on his eyes to make them appear whiter. Um, yeah. And he had I mean, slanted eyebrows because he was evil too. Because, you know. Right. The face paint attempted. To like slant his eyes, right? You know, it would never fly today. No, I mean, for a million different reasons, you know. But I mean, yeah, and that was Yoshi Kwan, which in 1993, I mean, I kind of thought it was cool because it was something different. But then the matches were horrendous, like because he he forced in all of like this. Like I said, like he had to be a master of the martial arts. You right. know, and even though he was not good at it, them at all and didn't even look like he would, knew what the hell he was doing. So. And I didn't know he was Chris Champion in 1993. I just thought he was some Asian guy. <laughs> and then you get a closer look and you're like, wait a minute, that guy is not Asian, you know? And this guy is doing fake martial arts. So this is just all a mess. And then he had that short feud with Cactus Jack and they had the, that is on the network because that's yes. from like Fall yeah. Brawl. So. Uh, you could check that out. And then, you know, he kept doing the gimmick. I mean, why not? He was doing it on TV. So his best opportunity to make money was to continue doing the gimmick that he was doing on national TV. And then he kind of just faded from the scene. And I guess as Rich indicated, he had a stroke at some point. So, uh, so yeah, that was pretty much it for Chris Champion. So that's Chris Champion and Viano 3. Hopefully this will be uh, next week. We don't have to spend the first hour of our show on obituaries. So uh, we'll see, you know, fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, we have plenty to get to 
uh, as well in the world of wrestling. We're going to talk about TakeOver. We're going to talk about SummerSlam, two big shows from last weekend. Uh, Joey Janela's Lost in New York. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we got New Japan Destruction. They laid out the shows, uh, the upcoming shows, the schedules uh, for those big shows. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, a new WWE signing with Matt Riddle. Talk about that when we talk about uh, NXT TakeOver. We knew of that, but you know now, now it's a little bit more official. Uh, Triple Mania and the CML Anniversary card. We got those two ones as well. So yeah, as I said, it's going to be a Lucha-heavy-ish show. Um, and then a f- so, you know, some other stuff along the way. But before we do all that, I want to let everybody know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our good friends at ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. It was all a mess. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience, invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, voice wrestling listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive site, at this exclusive address, ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W. ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W. One more time. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We thank them very much for sponsoring the show. Uh, and before we get to uh, the actual topics as well, Joe, I want to let everybody know that um, a little bit ahead of time, if you're trying to make uh, plans for All In, if you're coming into Chicago for All In, uh, welcome to my town. Uh, it should be a fun, fun weekend here. Uh, stuff going on. Uh, Voice of Wrestling related events and and sort of uh, Voice of Wrestling adjacent events. Uh, Friday, August 31st. So they're, they're doing AEW is doing shows on Thursday and Friday. So if you're coming in on Thursday, you'll be able to check out an AEW show. I believe tickets are sold out. They might open up some other ones as well. You want to follow them at AEW Pro uh, on Twitter. They'll If any tickets do open up, they'll mention it there. But uh, they got shows on Thursday and Friday. Uh, after the show on Friday, uh, our friends at Squared Circle, the Reddit Squared Circle, uh, page they're doing a meetup uh, after the AEW show as I said uh, the location is the Emporium Arcade Bar in Logan Square which is right around the corner uh, from the Logan Square Auditorium where AEW is running so if you want to hang out with people from uh, the uh, Squared Circle uh, Reddit channel you can do that at the Emporium Arcade Bar that's Friday August 31st uh, we're doing something as well a little uh, little get together as well Saturday September 1st that's obviously uh, the day of All In after All In so immediately following All In uh, we're doing a meetup at GameWorks in Schaumburg GameWorks if you don't know is a big arcade bar thing it's, it's pretty fun it's right around the corner from most people's hotels if you're staying at any of the official hotels uh they're all in schaumburg they're all in that area so you'll be walking distance to game work so makes no sense if you're gonna go back to the hotel anyway you might as well come and hang out as i said gigantic arcade gigantic bar a lot of stuff to do great, great food as well uh we're not doing any reservations or anything i mean i, I guess if like 100 people all say they're gonna come I'll, I'll try to do something but as far as i know no reservations no special anything we're just gonna kind of hang out after the show i'll find you you'll be able to find us you can at me on on twitter and i'll find you or whatever at voices wrestling as well so nothing huge nothing big you don't need a wristband you don't need to pay to enter we're just doing a little bit of a meetup you know with some people that um contributors to the website and also just uh anybody that's kind of be in the area uh and then sunday september 2nd voice wrestling we will be live one half of us at least joe you're not ditching the, the lovely britney for this but uh i will be there uh, i'll be live at the hyatt regency schaumburg so that's the official hotel of starcast so if you're going to starcast uh that's the hotel you'll be at uh chris and brandon our wrestlenomics guys they'll be hosting a live edition of wrestlenomics at 10 a.m and when they are done at 11 30 i will be doing a special edition of the voice wrestling flagship into 1 p.m uh the event is free and open to the public uh so you feel free to stop on by and that's uh sponsored by podcast movement and westwood one so sunday september 2nd 
If you want to see me live, do a uh, Voices of Wrestling flagship. I'll be doing that uh, starting at 11.30 from 11.30 to 1. It is free, open to the public. All you have to do is head over to the Hyatt Regency, Schaumburg, uh, and walk around the lobby. I'm sure you'll be able to hear us, and I'm sure you'll be able to see us. But yeah, it's a nice little double dip there with the WrestleNomics uh, and then uh, me going on uh, immediately after. So that should be pretty fun. I might have a special guest. I definitely want a special guest, uh, but I haven't figured out who that is yet. So <laughs> I'll try to get somebody at some point. But uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, Sunday, September 2nd for that. And then, of course, Saturday, September 1st, after all in, uh, GameWorks in Schaumburg, uh, if you want to hang out with me and uh, other members of the voice wrestling community. So, Joe, now I know you're tempted to ditch the Britney and go to all this fun going on this weekend. Next weekend, I should say. Yeah, that's, that unfortunately <laughs> cannot happen. Um, you know, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Birthdays fall on when they yeah. fall. I will tell you, the nurse is coming on, on, on the Sunday. So if you want to tell the Britney, hey, you can sit with the nurse while your husband's do their stupid yeah. wrestling podcast. Okay, that's probably not going to happen. But hey, you know what? A very expensive <laughs> trip and a very expensive hotel for her very expensive uh, birthday extravaganza. So, um, is this a round year? Or is this just like going to always happen every single year type thing? Like, is this an important birthday? I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I'm not asking for her age. I just. Is this an important birthday? Oh, it, there's just, no seat. Uh, it's the big three zero, my friend. Oh, okay. Oh, so that's important. Okay. All right. That's that's fair. I thought I was hoping it wasn't like thirty two, and that's like, oh, geez, I got to do this expensive hotel and this expensive. Okay, that's, that's now leaving leaving twenties behind. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I'll allow that. The big three zero. So now, as far as um, you know, I figure a lot of our listeners have either the network or New Japan World. If you're looking for Viano three, he does pop up on New Japan World. He has a match against Tiger Mask, nineteen eighty one. So hmm. just pop Viano three into the search box. I've seen that match. I've seen all the Tiger Mask singles matches on oh, that's japan. weird i'm I, I wish that it would have just given you everybody who was ever a villain in new japan that would be much easier if it just gave you every heel ever in japan you, you know, know what i mean and, and using exactly. WWE network logic that's what it would do is hey that's here's everybody that's not a villain here's every bullet club segment that's ever occurred here's every single you know what i mean like just yeah constant streams of villains no marty scroll yeah, every, every single marty scroll yeah. segment and match so right but no it's just straight up popping in June 24th, 1981. Uh, I believe it's in Sumo Hall. Tiger Mask versus Viano 3. So I have seen that match. Um, but yeah, so we got a lot to break down. This is one of those shows that kind of books itself. You know, we got we got three shows to review. We got a couple uh, Lucha shows to take a look at, to preview. And then we've got to New Japan Destruction dates that came out. So I know we debated this a little before we went on the air, but and Rich really lobbied hard to start with TakeOver. I don't see how we can do that. I think, Rich, unfortunately, I think we've got to start with the, with the Summerfest. I think we got to do it. All right, here we go. <clears throat> now here's the thing. You know, overall, look, SummerSlam, I can't call it a great show. I can't even call it a good show. But I do think it was an okay show, and I think it was the best WWE pay-per-view offering since probably WrestleMania. I mean... They've had some dreadful. Oh, it was much better than WrestleMania. WrestleMania fucking sucked. So since, since WrestleMania, you know, I know. See, WrestleMania had. I thought WrestleMania was very similar to this show in that both of these shows had <laughs> never ending and arduous, never ending. Number one, but they each had two or three matches that I think were okay, and I think maybe WrestleMania's matches might good matches may have peaked higher. There was nothing on this SummerSlam show that was as good as the Rousey tag match right. from sure. WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I think they're similar shows, and I think this was easily the best WWF pay per view, WWF, <laughs> WWE pay per view 
uh, since WrestleMania. But with that said, I can't call this a good show. It was okay. I mean, it did peak. Now, here's the thing. I don't think it it it, uh, it valued lower than WrestleMania because WrestleMania, you had the stupid brawn tag with the little kid and and stuff like that. On this show, you just you had some squash matches, um, which which are really hard to quantify. But you had head scratching booking. I think was the thing on this show uh, that we'll get into a little bit. Now, Rich, I ask you this every time. Did you watch the pre-show? No, fuck no. Come on. Why were you tweeting out pictures? Were you under a bridge feeding homeless people? I was homeless. Why were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at a. Uh, I was outdoors at a, uh, a forest preserve. It wasn't. You know, everybody's that, ragging on this. That picture confused me. It looked like you were underneath a, an overpass. I, I see how it did now. Yeah, because a few people mentioned that. So then I turned around and also I got like a waterfall that was behind me. But I, I understand how the the angle that I chose may have made it look like it was just like a highway underpass with like a river going through it. But uh, yeah, I thought you were doing like community service feeding. Some no, people. I assure you it's much nicer than that. I, I should, I should have just lied and said I was doing community service. That would have gotten me a little more over. No, I was just outside. Of course, some woke points that we very badly yeah. need, but yeah. So yeah, no, it's like four, it was like 4 PM Joe. And it was like a beautiful Sunday out. It's like, you know, the last few weeks of summer. And I was just thinking as I'm looking at my phone and people are talking about this almost and, and Vega match and I'm looking and I'm going, Oh my God, like, People are at home watching this, and I'm out at this like forest reserve hanging out by a waterfall. I'm like, that's unbelievable. Like, it's always very early in the day. Like, I'm not going to go home and watch the free show. It's ridiculous. You know, there are people who defend the usage of Almas on the main roster so far. You know, like, I, I've run into people who have said, now hold on now. He just got there. Give it some time. And I'm like, the guy was there for two months and was on TV twice. You know, it's like you can't defend it. It's awful usage of Almas. There is no defending it. It's been right. flat he is, horrendous. Yeah, and, and and more than that, even in his own team, he is the secondary person. Zelina Vega is who who is a great manager. Zelina Vega is an incredible as a manager, not so much as a wrestler. So obviously, you decide to to pick the man, uh, the the guy who needed her to be the the mouthpiece or whatever. He is the manager for her essentially. You know what I mean? Like in this match, he was. And more than that. Zelina Vega and, and almost are not even the point of this. The point of the match and the whole idea is to continue the Aiden English Rusev breakup. So they're like, you know, he's a secondary piece on a team that's a secondary piece to a larger story. But yeah, everything's going great. You're right. And, Give and, it time. And here's the thing. their track record with with you know <laughs> with with you know men and you know especially luchadors, especially Mexican men or what. I'm sure this will go great. So you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll just sit there and wait. And and the thing that I wrote in my review, which he's clearly second fiddle to Vega, but he was second fiddle to Vega in NXT at first, too. And he did overcome that. The difference is he overcame it by having great matches and putting in great performances. When is he going to have the opportunity to do that on the main roster? That's the thing. He's not going to have an opportunity to get over in the same way that he got over in NXT, working six-minute TV matches and working mixed tags on pre-shows of pay-per-views. So I am worried about Almas. If they like Vega better, okay. That's a separate argument and a different discussion, and it's whatever. If they think Vega has the higher ceiling and is the bigger star, look, I think Vega could be a star. We could debate whether Almas or Vega have the higher ceiling, and I would roll up my sleeves and maybe battle with you on that, but, but that's not the issue here. Even if they think Vega is the star of the act, which they initially thought in NXT as well, it's like, he is going to have a much tougher hurdle overcoming it than he did in NXT, which he totally overcame. By the end of the NXT run, they were equals. And it was, it was a one excellent act with two great components. This Vega scored the fall here 
Okay, so he's in a mixed tag pre-show match that goes seven minutes, like you said, where the build wasn't even about them. And then he doesn't even score the fall. Vega scores the fall, and she cheats to score the fall because you got to protect Lana. <laughs> you can't pin Lana clean. I mean, because come on now, it's yeah. Lana. Selena Vega had to get her feet on the ropes to yes. pin Lana. So he's part of a team that wins using chicanery, and he's not even the guy who scores the fall. He can't even beat Rusev, who, I mean, never gets pushed. Beating Rusev, like, is nothing. And they can't even have the guy beat Rusev. So this was just – it disencapsulated a lot of things wrong with it. This, this is like – there's at least three people in this match that deserve to be pushed to the moon. You could argue that maybe one of them is in the midst of a push. Maybe Vega. I don't even know. Maybe a prelim-level push. They don't care about Rusev. They do not care about Almas, no matter what anybody tells us. I need – show me. When they show me that they care about Almas, I'll come on here and tell you that they don't care about Almas. And Lana, I don't think – Lana Lana's just Lana. She's just another face in the crowd to me. I don't yeah, see her. And, and the thing with the Almas thing and what's so frustrating about it too is you saw in NXT, it's, it's so weird too. Like there was a time and, and we were on the show as well that like it was over. You know what I mean? The Almas thing was dead. It was over. We had no idea. We were sitting there going, all right, look, it's just not going to work. The suspenders yeah. thing was just not even going to work. Even oh, when he went yeah. heel, it, it was still, it was rougher on the edges. And it was like, all right, this guy doesn't have it. Whatever. It's just not going to work. Go back to Mexico, you know, do whatever. Go be a star again. And he and was they, going to, by the way. He right. Which, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they built it. They worked their ass off. He worked his ass off. They worked his ass off. And they rehabbed that. And they made that the best act in NXT. We, were, we came yes. on the show six, eight months later, whatever it was, and said, oh, my God, they did it. They got it. And he's, there and then he goes to the main roster and it's just other shit and it's just back to yeah. nothing and and I don't have the faith that they can rebuild like they did in NXT and well, I don't know yeah, why anybody well, would have that faith either but he got over on his own he he overcame it like I said with great matches yeah and 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 you know it's, it's and they and they busted their ass to do it too I mean they put him yeah. in big spots they put Vega in big spots I mean they yeah. they made sure that even when it was not going well you know, much to their, you know, we were, we were complaining about it as well at the time, but they were going for it. They were just going to try it and try it and try it. And then it clicked and then it was off to the races once it got it. But they, it's not like they just said, ah, oh, this is going to work and then buried him and he never did anything. They still, yeah, it could have been risky. It could have still failed, but they went after it. They got him in top spots. They got, you know, they were still giving him promo time, giving him angles backstage, doing stuff. I mean, even when he was kind of, you know, just doing the party boy stuff, we were saying it was just like, ah, this is really lame and not really working. But they worked their ass off and got it and they rehabbed him to the point where he was main eventing, you know, big time matches and having match of the year contenders. And now, yeah, we're, we're here, you know, just talk about mania, you know, that versus from mania to here. What, what, what have we done? It's just unbelievable what's going on. But even his them. big match is built to her spots. True. Yeah. That was the thing. Like even his big match is built to her big interference spots. And he still overcame all that because he had great matches. But it's a different environment in NXT than it is on the main roster. So I've got major questions. But this was a horrible one star pre show match. And we spent way too much time talking about it. Cedric Alexander defeats Drew Gulak. You did not see any of this. Um, they, 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 they barred Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher from ringside. It was a good match. Didn't even sniff a decent 205 live main event, though. And Alexander retains. Uh, they did an angle on this week's 205 Live where Gulak wants a rematch. Drake Maverick is, does not want to give him one. So now Gulak and his band of grapple guys uh, are disrupting the show until Drake Maverick caves, which eventually he will. So they're going to do a several-week angle uh, where Gulak and his boys uh, make everybody's life living hell until he gets his rematch. So maybe he'll win it there. I, sus- I think he's going to win it from Alexander at some point. Uh, 
But the match was fine. Uh, but it was nothing worth going out of your way to see. But it was easily the best thing on this awful pre-show because then we had the B team, Bo <laughs> Dallas and Curtis Axel against the Revival. You know, like a fool, I thought they were going to go with the Revival here and, you know, finally at least belt these guys up and put them in. Look, the tag team titles on Raw mean nothing. And you can tell by the placement on this show. It's a prelim, sub-prelim level deal because they're on the pre-show. Uh, with a with a, with a comedy tag team, uh, the deal with the B team is they luck into all of their wins. This was a fluky win here as well. Uh, you know, it does nothing for your tag team titles. It, it's just it's garbage. Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel stink. I couldn't have buried them harder in the review. Um, you know, and and you know they continue to do nothing with the revival. What else do you want me to say? It was another one. There were two one star matches, uh, basically on this pre show, and um, you know it was junk. Rich, you didn't see it, but do you have anything to add before? We Not really. I think the one thing I'll add is, and, and again, it's going to be a, a theme throughout this show, and then it'll be a theme, you know, in maybe in, in the opposite direction when we talk about NXT. But the, the SummerSlam, you said they cheat to get all their wins, and they, they look like goofs, and and it does nothing for anybody. That that theme is going to continue throughout the rest of the show. So we continue. It's SummerSlam, by the way, and yeah. it's going to be a lot of that. It's going to be a lot of yeah, a ton of it fluking into wins, protecting yeah. people, nothing definitive, nothing. And, and we'll, we'll talk about the flip side there on NXT, but when we get to it, but we got to get through SummerSlam first. So, yeah. So, and, and hold this thought of where the raw tag team titles are placed for when we talk about NXT later. Cause I have another point to make when we get to that. So the show opened, the show proper opens with Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler. Uh, for the Intercontinental title, I assume you're back from under the bridge. Oh, yeah, I'm, back. I'm back and watching. I'm sitting down and I'm all ready for it. They have a 22-minute match, which is way better than the uh, than the wacky Iron Man match that they had the month prior. Um, I don't know. I thought it was okay. This is a good match. On this show, it was one of the better matches, I thought. But it was nothing to write home about. I I, I I saw some reviews that really, really loved it. I saw some reviews that were more in line with what I thought about it, which I thought it was an okay match. I'm just, I'm through with these guys wrestling each other. And uh, it does appear that they'll be taking another direction with Rollins. So uh, what'd you think of this? Yeah, I thought it was all right. I saw some tweets that were saying, oh my God, this is the best thing that's happened all weekend. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, you probably haven't seen NXT TakeOver that, I guess. But, you know, if this if this is the best thing you've seen all weekend, that's a real big slide. Oh God, takeover. there were four matches on exactly. TakeOver. That's what I was going to say. I was like, ah, have you watched TakeOver? Because like, I think the entire show other than one match was better than this one. It was fine. It was okay. It was definitely better than the Iron Man match. But yeah, nothing to really write home about. I, I, I thought it was fine. And, and I think they made the 22 minutes go by pretty quickly as well. I had a little bit of an issue with a lot of the focus being on the guys outside of the ring and, and you know how I always dislike that yeah, when it's just like the camera's always panning to the people outside the ring and, and the crowd then knows hey look I'm not going to get invested in anything because all that matters is when these guys get on the apron and interfere or whatnot so that's always my my concern but they they did a pretty good job with this and kept it relatively clean so no I, I enjoyed it but yeah definitely um not not to, yeah there, there was definitely a lot of people that were really super high on it and I, I definitely was not one of those no, no, yeah, I mean, no, fifth best match on TakeOver at best. I mean, it wasn't even much better than EC3 Velveteen Dream, to be honest. It was better, but I'm not significantly so. So we had New Day. Uh, they defeat the Bludgeon Brothers by DQ mm. when the uh, when the Renaissance Festival cosplayer used his comically oversized novelty hammer to attack the pancake enthusiast, and none of that is made up. That's exactly how the match ended. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this was garbage. I mean, you know, it was, it was fine until that finish, but you know, the bludgeon brothers had been dominant to that point 
uh, since the moment they debuted. And um, I don't know if, if you either, to me, you either have the new day, just uh, overcome these monsters and win the titles, win the tag team titles for the 18th time, or you have the bludgeon brothers stay dominant. This I don't understand at all. And it looks like Rowan is now injured. Yes. Yeah. Do you know if he got hurt before this match or, or after or during? Don't I, I don't know either. Yeah. I, I, I assume that they did a kind of a shortest match with that to, to sort of cover up for his injury. Which, That's 10 minutes. I mean, yeah, I guess it wasn't too. But I, I mean, I, if I remember correctly, there was a lot of Harper as well. Rowan was not doing a ton. He did that one uh, dive off the top or off the apron or whatever. Um, I say dive. It was more of a fall off the apron into the guys. I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't see where he injured himself, uh, if he injured himself in the match or, or not. But I got another injury in the super safe company that cares so much about their workers' uh, health. But uh, I think it's number 20 now of people on the DL. But, uh, you know, hey, whatever. Um, but, yeah, yeah. It 20 was 20 wrestlers yeah. currently not working. Yep. Mm-hmm. But you understand that's only like 1% of their contracted wrestlers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're talking about when you employ 375 wrestlers, yeah, night 20 being out isn't that big of a, a deal. But, yeah, a lot of, a lot of tears, a lot of bicep tears and no. tricep tears and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. But, I so mean, this stuff. is junk. Yeah, I, I just hate and, – and me, I'm always – if you're going to have this sort of shitty finish or it's a DQ or whatever, especially on a pay-per-view, especially on a SummerSlam, forgot to, if this is on a Raw, I get it. It's fine. It's a TV build. It's whatever. SummerSlam should be definitive. SummerSlam should feel like it got somewhere. You feel like you didn't waste 10 minutes. This felt like I wasted 10 minutes. It was a good match, but then I wasted 10 minutes because the guys just said, ah, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to hit him with the hammer. It's like, oh, well, that, that kind of hurts. And then, you know, of course, a few days later, the, the New Day wins the tag titles. So then you felt like even more of an idiot for wasting 10 minutes of your life watching this match so yeah I, it was well worked though it's just the finish sucked you know why 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 <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know and it's like it bludgeon brothers i mean look it's the second match on the pay-per-view it's not like the smackdown tag team titles are booked significantly better than the raw tag team titles but it's they kind of you know with this, this horrible finish which made them look like cowards and then the injury they're gonna lose all momentum i could totally see them being just not even a factor on TV when they get back into the, he's going to miss time, right? I assume that's why they took the titles off from the, Oh yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's got a bicep tear, so he'll be out quite a while. I mean, that's, yeah, that, which so sucks for Harper. I mean, they just they're started. Done. Them. Yeah. They're, they're toast now, you know, in this company where there's a million teams and there's a million teams just like them, when you have sanity and war Raiders and oh, you can call the war Raiders tomorrow and it not be any different. You know what I mean? Like they can just yeah. act like the war Raiders are the bludgeon brothers and no one would ever know. I mean, you know, Ascension, I mean, they're all the same fucking act. And uh, yeah, I, I fear for them now, and it's a shame because they did have good momentum, but they've been they were booked into oblivion here, and the injury came at the worst time. Braun Strowman, there was a lot of speculation that Kevin Owens could win the Money in the Bank case from Strowman via some kind of fluke, since they said any kind of loss, whether it were DQ count out, so they were kind of making you want to think that Kevin Owens was going to sleaze his way into this briefcase. Instead, they did a squash, and the reason they did the squash win for Strowman was to make him look super strong for the tease they did later on, uh, which we'll get to and we'll break down and we'll laugh at and make fun of when we talk about the main event. So really not much to say here other than the whole purpose of the squash, I think, was just to make Braun look strong and, and like a threat for the winner of the main event, right? Is that kind of the idea here? I, I think so. Yeah. And and I have no problem with this. I mean, Owens is a guy that, you know, he's kind of listless right now, just kind of wandering around in, in the abyss, which I am fine with. I, this is the thing again, and I'll scream about it when we talk about takeover and I'll scream about it the rest of the show definitive. Tell me 
who you want to put over, who is winning this match, and why. Braun Strowman comes in there. He's been fucking around with Kevin Owens for months. He goes in there, and he just beats him, and he moves on. Strowman looks like a million bucks. Owens, whatever. If you want to say he got buried, if you want to say whatever, it doesn't bother me all that much because you're trying to get one guy over. I just want one guy to get over. I just want you to say, this guy is the guy we want to win, and this is the guy we want to advance, and and then I'm fine with that. What would would happen later in the night? We know that it's, you know, there was a grand plan to this all, but... For the time being, after this match, I was like, good. They finally fucking grew some balls and just said, this is the guy we want to win, and this is the guy we're putting over. No shenanigans, no cheating, no you know backhanded thing, no Kevin Owens trying to cheat, and then he fails at cheating. Braun just beat the fuck out of him and moved on. I love it. It's like, what? so well, much more of this, the, please. Not just the match, Rich, the feud. Right. You're, I'm done with you, okay? I've been fucking around with you for months. You're done. You're gone. You're in my rear view. Bye. And you're not, like cutting, off, and you're not cutting off a red-hot act right now. No. Kevin Owens is just a mid-card heel. So I completely agree with everything you just said. Had no problem with this at this point in the show. And so we move on. We have Charlotte Flair defeating Becky Lynch and Carmella in the SmackDown Women's Triple Threat. Man, I don't know what I didn't see that other people saw. I thought this was a perfectly decent match. But my God, did some people go apeshit for this match. Um, I don't get it. This was a nice little three-star match. I mean, what am I missing? Did you love this the way other people did, or do you see it the same way? Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. I thought they had a lot of spots they botched pretty bad, and it kind of felt pretty. It felt like triple threat formulaic for WWE. There was a lot of time where it was, you know, Carmella went to the outside and then she was just done for five minutes, and then you know Becky would go to the outside and she was done for five minutes. So it was that formula where it's just one on one with a third person laying on the floor, which then negates the idea of doing a triple threat. Whatever uh, they do the triple threat for the finish. I know, I know, but um, yeah, no, I didn't think it was. I thought it was fine. I thought it was okay. But yeah, I saw some people talking about how great it was. And I, I don't know, man. I mean, in the big spots, most of the big spots in the matches were like botched beyond belief, like Charlotte coming off the top and doing the twisting, whatever the hell she calls it. And Carmella and Becky both missing her like tremendously. Becky, Becky having to take a bump, even though it was like 10 feet away from her, looked kind of silly. And there was just a lot of those. And Carmella is just garbage. So, you know what I mean? That that kind of always hurts. I guess when Charlotte and Becky were in there, it was pretty fun and, and interesting. But yeah, I don't I didn't think it was that great. I thought it was good, though. I thought it was, you know, one of the. I don't know, maybe top half of the matches on the show. It wasn't bad by any means, but yeah, it certainly wasn't wasn't great. But uh, see, I think it was the fifth. You could argue it was the fifth or sixth best match on the show, which is why I think Rich's show wasn't bad. Okay, yeah, but, yeah. Look, I think Rollins and Ziggler was better than this. I think Joe and Styles was better than the three. I'd agree, yeah. I think Miz and Brian was better than the three-way. I think, uh, so that's three matches. Oh, I think Rousey Bliss, eh, that one's close. And I think the Cedric Alexander match is close. It, it's okay. Let's be charitable. It's, it's no better than the fourth best match on the show, you know, and it was an okay match. I think what happened here was Carmella wasn't awful. And then people went nuts about Carmella is what happened. Cause for once she wasn't fucking terrible and she looked, I don't, I don't know. I I guess she looked halfway decent at points <laughs> of this match uh, by Carmella standards, and I and I think that that excited people a little this bit. This was certainly the best Carmella match I have ever seen. If that, I, I'll give it that. But you know, yeah, I'd have to think about that. But probably because most of her matches are utter trash, right? Um, the Charlotte Flair thing that she does off the top turnbuckle. I've talked about this before when she does the moonsault or a flip dive or half gainer, which she did this time to the floor. I've talked about this a million times. I think she's so big. They're scared to catch her. 
And I think it's dangerous for everyone involved. Oh, I'd be if I was half her size. I mean, if Carmella's half Charlotte's size, I'd be scared too. Becky's and Becky family. Lynch was the one who took a powder this time. Yeah. And I think that she's so big and she's so kind of this time she wasn't. This was a good this was a good dive. But there are times where Charlotte's out of control. She doesn't have great body control. And there are times where she does that moonsault where it just looks like she it's gonna murder you. Um but I think the, that a lot of these women who are a lot smaller than her are scared to catch her. And, and that's been a problem ever since she started doing this shit. I get it. It's a big show and you want to do that. Um, but it, it, it's scary every time. You know, it really is. I mean, Sasha Banks and Carmella, uh, these are not large framed women. It's not Nia Jax out there, you know, catching her. And I, I do think that some of that comes into it because Charlotte is long and she's big and yeah, she's almost I think she's I'm looking at the heights now and I don't know if these are actually accurate, but they have Charlotte at five eleven, which is basically my height. So she's basically my height. And they have Becky Lynch at, at five six, five five, somewhere in five five, five six. Yeah. And that's like Carmella yeah. is just tiny and yeah and Carmella weighs like you know 90 you know, so, so yeah it's I, I get it I mean I wouldn't want to do that either I wouldn't want to catch a guy that was five inches taller than me you know what I mean doing a doing a moonsault I mean they need it, when when they do that they need to have like a, a ton of people like back in the back in the day there used to be uh the Undertaker would do those and why well, I don't know why my Alexa just went off when Smash Mouth just started playing the fuck is going on I didn't oh, even I, you know, I was gonna what did I say that made that happen? You didn't say Alexa Bliss, who also is small. I mean, there's a lot of small women on the roster. You know, I'm not worried if Charlotte does this. I tend to think that the wife did that because it started playing Smash Mouth immediately. I'm wondering if that. Uh, I sabotaging the show. With yeah, Smash I'm going to send Mouth. a little text and see what's going on. Well, why would she? Wait a minute. How can? What do you mean she did that? Well, she uh, she has it's hooked up to her Spotify, and she can then at work. Oh, she's yeah. It's I think it's her. So she's listening to Smash Mouth. So I think so. That's another good question. Why is she listening to Smash? <laughs> I think she's trolling think- me. No, I think she's trolling by, by doing that. I've, I've trolled her by playing Nickelback when I was at work a few times, so I think this might gotcha. be a retribution, but I'll see. Ah. Funny games you two play. <laughs> They're modern you. millennial where we joke by trolling each other on Alexa. Yeah. My, or my Alexa's just deciding to play Smash Mouth a bunch. But If she's into Smash Mouth, that's fine if that's her thing. No, I, yeah, I don't think so. Not, I'm not judging. I don't think she hates Smash Mouth. You know what I mean? Like, does anyone really hate Smash Mouth? I mean, well, they did, but now it became like, you know, it became like, oh, yeah, they suck. And then, like, people then are like, yeah, it's fucking Smash Mouth. And they never decided, they never said they were anything more than they are. Like, they know what they are. Well, I'm not people, buying tickets to go see Smash Mouth, but I, I'm not like. Yeah. No, I think there was like a, 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 a blowback during like the Shrek years or whatever. Like, yeah, they suck or whatever. Course, yeah. yeah, which makes sense. But now it's just like, ah, you know what? Fuck, dude. They're they're making their money. Who cares? Like, It's an embarrassing band if it's like your favorite band. You can't be like, you know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> right. You can't be like, I've gone to 15 Smash Mouth shows and it's like, oh, you shouldn't do that's that. That's a little questionable. Yeah, that's that's a bit odd. Um, so we had Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles. Wait, and, uh, Joe, 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 Joe. Oh, how, yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm Jesus so sorry. Christ. So, I was like, we got to talk about, about the this. match. Start talking about the finish. Oh, my God. Well, Smash Mouth threw me off here. I know. I'm sorry. Okay? I'm sorry. So we have another tremendous example of WWE trying to tell you a story and nobody reacting to the story in the manner of which they want you to react to the story as Becky Lynch clearly turns heel. I will not hear otherwise. Becky Lynch clearly turns heel on Charlotte Flair and gets the loudest ovation that anybody got yet at this point in the show. Uh, a, a massive babyface reaction. 
Uh, the very next opportunity, she has to cut a promo on SmackDown. That's their yep. show, right? On SmackDown, she once again very, very badly wants to be booed and <laughs> runs down the fans. And, hey, you never believed in me as they're cheering yeah. and you deserve it. <laughs> yeah, Which sounds absurd as they're, yeah, as they're chanting you deserve it and cheering her wildly uh, because Charlotte Flair is starting to get the, uh, the rejection. Um, you know, reaction from the fans. So uh, where do we even start unpacking this? I just kind of want to just, it's like at this point, (laughs) this is modern WWE. They are delusional. They don't understand how to control fan emotions anymore. Uh, They tell the complete opposite story. They don't know how to tell stories. They don't know how to tell stories. And and this is the, 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 this Becky, if you've been following the Becky story, it's that she's been slowly but surely working her way up the division, working her way up, working her way up towards this match with Carmella. She has a little bit of an issue with Carmella. Charlotte comes out to help her. Charlotte shoehorns her way into the match. Becky's pissed because, well, what the fuck? I've been busting my ass to try to get to this point. You've been at this point for 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 time and time again. Let me get this. You know, let this be my moment. She gets into the match. Charlotte fucks her over in the match. <laughs> and then Becky beats her up. And they want you to boo her. And they want you to cheer Charlotte Flair. And I think this gets to an issue. You know, I've heard a lot of people complaining about it. You know, and I just said it. They don't know how to tell stories. They don't know all this. And we've talked about it a lot as well. And I think it's 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 partially that they don't really know how to tell these stories and and they they don't really know how to read audiences. But I think more than that, and and again, you and I have really delved into this a lot, especially with Roman Reigns. I think more than anything, Vince McMahon just doesn't know what good people are and what bad people are. To him, I fully one hundred percent believe that he thinks Charlotte is in the right. That he thinks the goddess who walks around in a robe and thinks she's the greatest and thinks she's the shit is a good person, and the plucky, funny. Oh, shucks, girl next door, Becky Lynch, is a bad person. You know what I mean? Do, right. do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? We, we get that with Roman Reigns, too. Roman Reigns is not down to earth. Roman Reigns is an asshole. He talks shit to everybody. He's a cocky motherfucker who thinks he's the greatest thing. He's God's gift to green earth. And Vince thinks that that's a good person. Hulk Hogan. Right. We talked about it all the time with Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was a lot of times played up your heel. Hulk Hogan was an asshole yeah. a lot of times. He pulls Sid out of the ring, and then everyone's supposed to go, and then the crowd boos or whatever. But Vince, in his mind, still thinks that the guy who, who is larger than life, the superhero, is the good guy, and the, the people that are getting screwed over deserve to get screwed over because they're not smart enough. They're not strong enough. And it's not those people. That, Sami Zayn's a great example as well. Bailey, other examples of these sort of people next door, your, your common folk, he thinks they're idiots. He thinks they're dumb. He thinks they don't deserve to be cheered because they're weak. They're, they're too easy. They're too trusting. And he yeah. loves the people that screw people over, the people that are selfish, the people that are larger than life, the people that are superheroes, the people that you can't even get on the same level of because they're so higher above you. Those are right, the right, people right. that he thinks are good. And I think he that's the still like, issue. Yeah, he still thinks fans are into like idol worship of 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 of, um, you know, superhuman type entity like he thinks that's. You're absolutely right. He doesn't understand that modern fans connect with the everyman now. We've had that conversation at that. He doesn't understand that Becky is way more likable than Charlotte. <laughs> right, is. right, right. He doesn't understand. You're absolutely right. I don't think that they they do get that. So I don't know if it's um, them not being able to tell the story through because they told the story. You know what I mean? Like the story yeah. was told the entire way. 
it just didn't get the reaction that they wanted. And that makes me wonder, well, did you did you honestly think that this is the way it was going to go? And the problem is, I don't know if you saw, they doubled down on WWE.com as well. They had a poll that said, you know, have you been rooting for Becky or whatever? And 93% of people were like, yes, we've been rooting for Becky. Are you kidding? Yeah. Of course we have. So I don't, I, I mean, I guess it's, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're not that delusional, that they don't understand that if you tell the story, people are going to root for Becky. I just, I, I wonder sometimes if Vince honestly believes, well, Becky's weak and and simple minded and too trusting, so they're gonna boo her because she's you know she can't handle right. that she's not as good as Charlotte, right? right. Not ruthless, and, right? Right? Yeah, cause ruthless. Yeah, ruthless. Ruthless aggression and all this sort of foot tall right. and she's right. She's not, not gonna right, stab right. you in the back. Charlotte's gonna stab you in the back to get to the top because that I think is and what she, Vince. Most importantly, she doesn't look like a star. Right? She's exactly. not foot tall and uh, and uh, she's not a flair and and you know and, and all of this stuff you're right it's it and that's why i say they they've completely lost the plot in controlling and controlling uh, the emotions of the fan which they obviously at various points were tremendous at and they've completely lost the plot and can no longer do that and then they double down constantly <laughs> yeah. Because it's just trying to force this stuff. And I do believe that that's because there are no consequences to the poor booking. They get a billion-dollar TV deal anyway. So where's the consequences? Right. This is what we talked about last week. And I don't really give a shit what you guys do. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you think because it all works out for us in the end because we're lucky enough that television networks you know, need content. So it doesn't matter that our book, whereas if this were a company that ran in a traditional manner, all these poor booking decisions and declining ratings and nobody going to house shows, they'd be shitting their pants and they would push the people who are over with the fan. But their poor booking doesn't have consequence. So they can continue forcing the narratives that they want to force. And, and, you know, it is shit. Now, I did see someone say that – now, I didn't check this out myself. I did see someone say – that the version of the Becky promo that aired on their YouTube was edited in such a way where they might be going the other direction now and conceding that they have to make Becky the babyface here. They, they took out the out, parts. They took yeah, out all ahead. the parts where she mentions the crowd. I, I did. I did watch it earlier. Where every time when she says, "Oh, you never, you know, you never rooted for me, or you cheered against me," I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm sort of paraphrasing there. And the crowd go, you know, no, 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 we did. We like, you know what I mean? Like, like so that, that part is all that, been gone. Now they may have just done that because it sounds stupid. Right. Right. Not necessarily because they're having a a, a change of, you know, uh, they're changing their tune in terms of who should be the face and the heel here. But you know, I, it's, it's, it's to me, it's just funny at this point. I, you know, it's 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 just amazing to me that for a guy who went on the Stone Cold podcast and says he's a good listener, his finger is so far off the pulse of what people want out of these characters. It's, it's it really is astounding. Yeah, and, and there's uh, I, I saw a lot of people getting very very upset about it and all this sort of stuff, and I'm glad that we have a few months ago just decided, you know what, fuck it, man. Like, because I'm laughing, you know, I'm in the back watching these people yeah. sort of arguing and whatnot, and and then you get your your other section of of people that are like, oh, you know, you're getting this moment, you know, just let it, just appreciate it because Becky's getting a push. And it's like, no, you can you can want it to be the right story. Like again, it's it's if if this was if it's not just that they just did a turn out of nowhere and it wasn't the turn you want. They told the story. You know what I mean? They told the story of Becky rising and, and getting screwed. And then she, she's supposed to be the heel because they tell you they heard the heel. So anybody that wants to get upset about it, they're allowed to get upset about it because they told the fucking story and then didn't, they, they didn't do the finish. They didn't finish the story. They finished the story the opposite way. And people are allowed to get upset about that. Rich, this idea that fans should go along with the story and play their part is utter and complete nonsense that we shouldn't even waste any time on. That is such bullshit. And, and in no other form of entertainment 
are the consumers supposed to just – do you go to a bad movie and just go, oh, I'm just going to play my part here, even though they've told this story horribly? I'm going to go – I'm just going to go with it, and I'm going to smile, and I'm going to enjoy the seven fifty I just spent on this movie. Uh, you know, do, do you go to a concert? And, uh, you know, the lead singer is clearly inebriated or, or the band is just playing horribly or the set is only 36 minutes and you paid $300 for the ticket. And go, ah, it's my role as a fan to just sing along and be happy with what. No, then where, where is this idea that wrestling fans are coming from that we should just go? When have wrestling fans ever just gone along with things? Wrestling fans have reacted in the opposite manner since the beginning of wrestling. And they've done that. They're just doing it more often now because this company sucks at this. Okay? This is why you're seeing it more. But there have been plenty of times throughout history in wrestling where fans turn people and force turns and don't go with the story that the booker was telling you. There was never a point in history in wrestling where fans just played the role and went along with it. It's utter nonsense. It never existed. That time in history never existed. So it's nonsense. You're a fool if you say that. And we've wasted too much time on it already. It's utter fucking garbage. Okay? So we've got Samoa Joe against AJ Styles. Samoa Joe wants to fuck AJ Styles' wife. He says it twice. He wants her to call him daddy. What is with horny wrestlers wanting to fuck the significant others (laughs) of their opponents? Listen. I mean, if you're going to be an asshole, though, if you're going to really get to the guy, I mean, banging his wife is pretty good, right? We kind of, listen. That was a big deal in the seventies and eighties, and it, you know, uh, of uh, but a lot of times the baby faces would say it, right? You know, like Magnum TA would say, "I am gonna fuck your." Well, wouldn't woman that enrage you though? Man. Because he probably is. Like Magnum TA probably has been will or has, you know, especially if you're in the Atlanta, the greater Atlanta area. I, I, I assume that your wife has at one point had sex with Magnum TA, so that would hurt. You know, if I'm a heel and, and Magnum TA said I'm gonna fuck your wife, and you're like, God damn, you probably are. With that fucking stash and your, your awesome, you know, car. Yeah, of course you are. Damn it. That, that would be frustrating. So we, have, we haven't completely come full circle where baby faces are doing it. But there's a lot like, look, Eddie Edwards thought Tommy Dreamer was fucking his wife. Okay. Austin Aries just told Eddie Edwards that he wants to fuck his wife. Uh, Samoa Joe <laughs> wants to be AJ Styles. He wants to be her daddy. He wants to be his wife's daddy. We've got, uh, what was the other? There's another one too that I, that I keep forgetting. But all over wrestling now, uh, we've got these scenarios where uh, heels want to fuck the baby face's significant other. And it's become an epidemic. And I don't know what's going on. But Samoa Joe, uh, you know, was very good in this role. And I thought, listen, this match was a methodical match, but I thought it was a really good match with a lot yeah. of good stuff. But I, you know, I have an issue with the methodical part. G- g- finish your part, and then I'll, t- I'll talk about it. I that. am done. Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to fuck your wife. I'm going to have her call me daddy. I'm going to test you in a test of strength and use a chin lock on you. It doesn't, you know, methodical doesn't work when a guy just tells me he's going to beg my wife and wants her to call me daddy. You, you know, it took AJ Styles too long to snap. It wasn't until the second Samoa Joe promo where AJ snapped and then they had, you know, the great closing stretch and the DQ finish where, you know, he lost his, uh, his mind and everything. Cause- yeah, and, and that might be the story they wanted to tell to me though. I wouldn't be able to just, you know, I don't like the idea of AJ cause it's been like weeks. It's not just like out of nowhere. He just said, hey, I'm gonna fuck your wife or whatever. And AJ was just like, right. okay, yeah, you're just whatever, dude. All right. I'm just going to beat you in the ring or whatever. He's been saying you're a bad father. You're a bad husband. I'm going to, yes. you know, you, you, you don't do like this. The build has been very 
you know, that way. And then he comes out and says, Oh, your kids are here. Ah, Hey, look at your kids. And Oh, there's your wife. And, and like, I don't believe then after all of that, after the weeks of calling you a bad father and a bad husband, then saying to the entire you know crowd, that I'm going to fuck your wife and everything that I'm just going to go, you know what, dude, I'm going to hit you with a fucking nerve hole. And I'm going to see how much stronger that I am than you by doing, you know, arm rests and arm holds and all that sort of stuff. I, it was a little too methodical there. I would have liked to seen AJ get a little bit more aggressive. So that kind of hurt the match for me for a little bit. I think they got it together towards the end. And it was pretty fun. If you, if you kind of in a vacuum, it was a, a really good match to me, though, the story lent itself to a little bit more of a brawl, a little bit more of a, uh, you know, aggressive match, more so than methodical. Like you said, it was very methodical in a vacuum. Good, very good match. But it just I thought it needed to be worked a, a, a different way. And that's sort of where my disconnect was with it. Yeah, we also have Eli Drake trying to fuck Grado's woman on impact as well. So oh, right. A lot yeah, of this- yeah, yeah. A lot of this going around. Um, and, and Joe Hendry is going to be the one that runs off with her. So there's two people trying to fuck her. So, <laughs> it's, just, so it's just impact. It's just impact. You keep just naming impact. Apparently, well, impact no, it is too. I mean, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. I mean, you know, they're doing it in this company where things are PG and Samoa Joe's out here saying, call me daddy. I mean, what the fuck is going on here? We're running muck with these angles. So then uh, we have the Miz against Daniel Bryan, which I thought was an excellent match. I thought. The work here was great. I thought there were even some callbacks to some stuff that they'd done prior. I thought the Miz held up his end. I thought Daniel Bryan was great. I thought the story that they told within the story where it was pretty clear, it was pretty clear that Daniel Bryan, while not completely dominant, was clearly superior to the Miz, which is the way you need to, ha- to, to tell this story and have this match. The story here all the way is Daniel Bryan is better than this guy. And he kicked out of one skull crushing finale. He avoided like three others and, you know, deftly, uh, he reversed them. He countered them. He was one step ahead of the Miz, even though the Miz got plenty of, of offense in himself. I thought the story was clear that Daniel Bryan is better than this guy, which is why the Miz had to resort to hitting him with a roll of quarters or whatever the fuck it was that his wife handed him from the front row. So from that perspective, I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed the story. The thing about it is, and I understand the Miz winning in this manner because they're going to continue this thing and they're having a mixed tag at the next pay-per-view, which I have no interest in. And then uh, and then we go from there and eventually they'll have a blow off at some point, we assume. But who knows with this company? The problem I have, Rich, is even though all this made sense and worked and was good, I don't know. I've reached a point in my wrestling fandom. I watched a G1 tournament for three weeks with a bunch of bullshit fucking bullshit, you know, finishes with the bullet club and Jay white and all this. And now this finish, all the finishes on this show and this, this finish with the Miz rich. I just want a winner and a loser. Right. I'm just exhausted with all this shit. And it's just, this is not what I want out of my wrestling anymore. I, I, I just, I can't deal with it, especially when it's just pounded into my brain show after show with new Japan on the G1 tour match after match on this show. Rich, just just give me a winner and a loser. You know, I, I just and it, it sucks all the <laughs> life out of me when they keep doing finishes like this. That's why I said I like the Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens my favorite match on the entire show because it was just like aha, a winner, a loser. I know what you want to go for. And like again, like you said, this if they had just done if this was the only one of these finishes. It would have been fine because this was the best done yes. of them. This is the one that made the most sense. The Bludgeon Brothers one was dumb. It was just like, ah, fuck it. We're done. We're out of here. This is dumb. It was and counterproductive. It wasn't just dumb. It was counterproductive. Right. And then the Samoa Joe AJ Styles one as well was just kind of like, ah, shit, really? Okay, whatever. Like, Well, you know what? That one I kind of get in a vacuum too. AJ Styles snaps and gets DQ'd. But then you can't keep doing it every you, yeah, match. That's what I mean. Like, you got to pick and choose. Have, you know, have it once. You know, one of them. If it's Joe and Styles or if it's Miz and Brian, whichever, pick one. It cannot be back to back. And it 
can't be, you know, three out of the last five matches have basically the same sort of dumb finish in in that sense. And this one was a little bit more definitive. And I, again, like I get why they did it and I get it, but it was, I was just burnt out. Like you said, I was just like, Oh, come on. Can I just get one? Can I just get a finish here? Can I just get something definitive? Tell me like, just have somebody look better than the other person on this night. It's not going to kill the entire business. If a guy just looks good at winning. But again, this is one that I get it. It's just like, it sucks because it was, as we said, back to back and the third and in, in, in five matches. So you just kind of, they're like, Oh God, again, really? You're just kind of burnt out at that point. So this was the match to do it in because the Miz beating, you got to keep the feud alive. Number sure, one. Right. Yeah. Dan Bryan can't beat the Miz right now. Cause that just, you're done then. Correct. So. And the Miz can't beat Daniel Bryan clean. Cause that's not the story. He's not as good as Daniel Bryan. That's the whole point of this is Daniel Bryan is now going to be increasingly frustrated because he knows he's better than this guy. We all know he's way better than this guy, but he hasn't been able to pin those shoulders to the mat. This was the match to do it with. So, But this is what happens too when you have a 19-hour show with a billion matches on it. You have so many different stories converging on one show that a lot of them demand uh, these creative finishes and and you know it just over it becomes overload. So we had Finn Balor versus uh, the Constable Corbin. This was another one of the squashes that they did, the second of three. Uh, no strong thoughts on this other than this guy went through the whole demon fucking shit to put on this paint, and they did the whole demon entrance for a squash. I and and was the Constable Corbin really worthy of the demon? <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, and then the next night we had a title match. Just came out as Finn Balor, like, right? You know, so even though he's undefeated as the demon, and I get like I get that maybe it's exhausting to him mentally and physically to be the demon and to dig deep into it, but it's just like Corbin's the guy, you know, the constable is yeah. already like, all right, this is it, I gotta win this match. And then the next night, you know, a title match, the title shot that you haven't had for months and months and months, and the one that you never got after you lost the title, he's just Finn Balor. So it's just like, you know, there's a logic gap in there, but they've done a great job not abusing the demon thing, like I was afraid that they would. So I'm not going to go crazy about it. I just thought it was silly in this spot, especially for a squash. Yeah. It's Baron Corbin. I mean, who cares? I mean, but again, I somebody won. You know what I mean? Like and on this show, I was rooting for definitive wins. And I was like, thank God Finn Balor won. I'm fine with that. You know, I'm okay right. that someone just fucking won and won a feud and moved on. I just, I, that's all I want now. Yeah. So then we had Nakamura uh, versus Jeff Hardy. Of course, he won this by punching Jeff Hardy in the balls. Uh, on a previous pay-per-view, he defends against Jeff Hardy here. Jeff Hardy has been awful in his return. I thought he looked okay here. He looked a little bit better, but he's clearly not the Jeff Hardy uh, than anybody, even though he looks great for his age and the abuse that he's taken um, and, and the abuse that he's done to himself. Um, you know, it, it's it's he, he's never coming all the way back. He did do the swanton on the apron which I suppose you're going to do that. I, yeah, that looked okay. You're going to do it on a big show. I get all that. Nakamura retains the title though. I don't have any other strong thoughts about this. It was a match and it was fine. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I'm probably that's being it. a little charitable about, I don't know. It was fine. I don't know. It was a match. Yeah, it was slow as molasses. And that's kind of what you're going to get with Jeff Hardy. Now uh, he'll do some stuff here and there, like doing swantons on the apron or whatnot. And, and Nakamura is, I, you know, if you're if you're sitting here waiting for Nakamura to blow your doors off and have these awesome, I mean, that's it's probably not. I don't know. It's it's and not going to be less so as a heel too. Right, exactly. He he's he's got and, and credit to him. He's fine with what he's doing. He's got the U.S. title. He's getting you know previous bookings. He's in title matches. So whatever. He's probably realized that the secret sauce is I make funny faces. I hit guys in the nuts. I get title shots. I do well. It's like he doesn't have to go out there and do that. And I get it like that more credit to him that he doesn't have to do it. I just think waiting for Nakamura to all of a sudden now become the super worker. It's never, we're, we're, it, I don't know that it's coming back. I don't know that we're ever going to see it again. This might be the new reality. And then we just have to kind of accept it. And it is what it is. So 
So Ronda Rousey Alexa Bliss was exactly what we wanted it to be, and what we said on the preview was just Ronda Rousey destroying her mm-hmm. and uh, and winning the title. And she's the biggest star um, in the company. Uh, she deserves this. She has looked good. She has looked actually great uh, considering her experience level. I have no problem with this. I know you want to break down the eye makeup. I know that's uh, fresh on your mind. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll let that slide. A bunch why of does anyone give a fuck? I can't believe yeah. the stir that this has all caused. I don't get it. Now, the look, she looked was, horrible. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, the nurse was quite perplexed by it, and I had to explain it to her, and I couldn't explain it, and she was like, well, why? And I was like, I don't know, but why did she? And she kept asking why. I, I don't know. I don't know. I it, don't know. It, uh, yes, it looked it like shit. Fit, it I don't care. doesn't fit her aesthetic at all. No, not at all. But here's the thing. That's the extent I can't imagine uh, having a giant debate about it. I mean, who gives a fuck? I mean, I mean, really, but, uh, but so she wins in a squash, exactly what we wanted, uh, exactly what they should have done. They're not fucking around here. They're just giving her, uh, you know, the rocket push. She could be a difference making star. I got no problem with this. And I like this. And I thought it all came off. Well, everybody uh, played their role very well. And it was nice to see Natalia come out in the uh, you know SummerSlam 89 Anvil jacket. That was a nice touch. Yeah, there. yeah. No, and this is exactly what I wanted it to be and is exactly what it needed to be. Ronda Rousey went out there, beat the hell out of Alexa, pulled her arm out of her socket and tapped her out and, and won the I title. I can't believe we missed that. It's like Alexa does that thing with her arm and we didn't think about it, it was a no-brainer to do that here. That I thought, thing did I not mention like, that last week? I did you? Oh, you did. You did. I did. Yeah, I was going to say, she's definitely going to do that, right? It, it, I don't know. They didn't hit it over the head with it. I don't know. I guess I, I didn't notice. I wasn't listening to the commentary at this point. I had muted them because they were driving me absolutely fucking insane. Did they mention, oh, my God, her arms out of her socket? Or did yes, they, just they were going nuts, yeah. Okay, okay. So that, that's good to know. But, uh, yeah, so that was, uh, yeah, is exactly what I wanted it to be and exactly the way it needs to go. Rousey, just, just win. Have her be the champion and have her on top of the division. And, and again, she has, and we talked about when she first came in, we were a little nervous because she seemed a little... I, a little hesitant to quite get into the character, a little hesitant to in front of the crowd and their promos and all that stuff. She's nailing it, man. You know, other than the eye makeup, which is a disaster. She's got the look. She's running down to the ring fine. She's not doing these smiley, wavy thing. Even when yeah. she's promos, she's got it. Like she has taken to this uh, like a fish and water. I mean, she is. She's nailing it. She's absolutely. She nailing has it advanced and, very quickly. Yeah. In all. You're, you're, yeah. So you're seeing why they're giving her the rocket push. It's not like there's. It like it's not like it's like oh my god, she's not ready yet. I mean, she's fucking ready. She gets it. She's got it. And she's there, and and yeah, they got something great on their hands, so they need to push the hell out of it. This this really should have been the main event, really. I'm not saying I know why it wasn't, but I I that's the next step now is having her just do like a legit main event, like she is between between her and and um, and Shayna Baszler. Um, you know what's Gina Carano up to? Because these MMA people are <laughs> right. coming in here, and they're just right. fucking awesome at this. You know, get Misha t- call Misha Tate. You know, I, you know, it's uh, they'd probably love to have me. Well, I mean, Misha Cyborg's Tate, in a match right uh, this weekend. She loses, she can move she, on, right? Yeah, I think, so. I, I think so. I think so. I when I say a match, I'm gonna fight. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. Oh, so she's in a legit fight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So and she wants to be involved, uh, yeah. cyborg. So I mean, so know. just sign like 30 of them and just figure it out. They're they're very good at it. So whatever. I mean, they yeah, I mean it's, it's just the, the idea. Yeah, them feeling like badasses too. And that's the awesome part about it. It just feels so much different. Where Alexa, like, whatever. I mean, she plays her character pretty well, but it's nice to just have somebody go out there that feels like a badass. And you're like, oh my. Uh, and, and the crowd's reacting to it as well. The crowd is taking to her. And that's what I thought would be the biggest uphill battle is, is the crowd taking to her. But she's on Raw all the time. She's she's visible and she's having great matches. So yeah, more power to it. This is it's, it's working well. They know how to I, you, they still know how to make stars, Joe. They still it, it's not we're not nuts. They still actually do understand how to do this sometimes. Oh, what signing them from UFC? Right. Well, no, I mean like making stars and like actually. No, I know. The I stars. Mean, yeah, no, I, I, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, right. and 
Yeah, and but not yeah, have them yeah. lose all the fucking time and not and be stupid. Yeah. Kick people's asses. Yeah, that's all you need to do. They're I mean, smart and they kick people's asses. It's not hard. It's very simple. I get the Carmelo Alexa stuff. I'll take this and Shayna Baszler all day. Absolutely. I mean, I rather. I, this is what I want to watch. Um, so we got Roman Reigns. Uh, he finally defeats Brock Lesnar. They have the Roman Empire has begun, Joe. Oh yes, I know everyone's all jacked up about it. They, they, they've totally missed the mark and, and the timing on this. We all know that. We're not going to get into that. Um, you know, they have Braun. We've had that show before, so they have Braun come down. Here's what I find confusing. Braun's like, um, in his Hulk Hogan voice, <laughs> yeah. he sounds just like, "I'm not going to be a coward and wait to attack someone behind their back like everyone else has done." So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch this match. And then I'm going to wrestle a really tired guy because I'm not a, that didn't make any I'm sense. Not a coward. So I'm going to wait until the match is over and face the guy who just got done in a grueling match. Cause I'm not a coward. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that didn't I mean, make any sense. Coward, you would but, say, Hey, on Monday, Hey, I got this briefcase. I'm going to cash this in now, Monday, tomorrow. I'll see you. Buddy. Right. Whoever wins this, or, I'll see you tomorrow on raw. Bye. Either I'm in this match now, which right. would have been fine. If you're not a coward or like you're saying, I'm facing the winner tomorrow. One or the other, you know? So anyway, but we all know why they did all this. It was a clever way to ensure that the match had heat to avoid the fans shitting on the match, which they were going to do. They were there at five minutes. They were there. And then they, they got, they got in and out. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. With the introductions of these two men, they were, you know, getting negative reactions and it was going to go the way we all thought Braun comes down. Uh, but if you have to jump through these kind of hoops <laughs> to prevent Reigns from getting booed, to prevent, you know, I guess they wanted Brock to get booed, so that's fine. But to prevent the fans from shitting on the match, you got to jump through these kind of hoops. I see people saying, this was brilliant. This was so smart. Rich, you shouldn't have to do this. <laughs> I'm not going to throw roses at you because you have to you have to have a guy defeat. You have to have a guy squash somebody earlier. Absolutely destroy him. Come out, fake a cash in. Then you have to have a match where there's literally no downtime in the match. There, Joe, there wasn't a second of downtime at any point in this match. The match starts with Roman Reigns spanning, <laughs> spamming Superman punches. Brock Lesnar tossing him around. There wasn't a second to breathe in this entire match. This match is six minutes, and they they were moving, and somebody was doing something at every single second. And then they fucking cut to black <laughs> seconds after the match and get the hell out of there. All yeah. and I'm not going to throw roses if that's what you have to do to prevent a guy from getting no. Good. If you have to I'm trick everybody yeah. and have the pay per view go off as quickly as humanly possible. Michael Cole's got the Roman numbers again. We got to go by. <laughs> what the fuck is going? On? I am not going to pat you on the back for going into a meeting with the objective of what do we need to do to make sure our top star doesn't get booed out of the building. I'm not going to pat you on the back for that because you shouldn't be in that position. It's embarrassing. This was uh, yet another, you know, this stuff is just, that's why it's fun to watch for me. These Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, they, to see what shenanigans I'm going to have that I can make fun of on this show this time. And this was just, you know, it's absurd that they had to do that. Uh, you know, so if you want to call it successful, I can't. This whole Roman Reigns thing from 2012 onward was anything but a fucking success. It, it, it's a fucking disaster. So they reunite the shield on Raw. They're doing everything in their power here, except just telling the right story from the beginning, which would have made everything a lot easier or conceding that he just wasn't the guy. But uh, here we are. It appears as though is Brock done for now? It looks like he is. 
Um, you know, we'll have to see about that. I, if you think this is his last match ever, I think you're nuts. I think he's, uh, if you think this is his last title reign ever, I think oh, you're also nuts. Um, you know, Brock is, uh, he just, I think Vince thinks he means too much. So here we are. And they used Braun as sort of a pawn to, uh, to achieve this. And, uh, and Roman did not look good in winning because he won via distraction, which was another problem with, with all of this. So they did the expected spear into guillotine spot, which a lot of people thought would be a finish. So that was a good false finish, I guess. But raw, but reigns reigns winning because Brock was distracted by a guy that, you know, he, he was taking more seriously is not the strongest way to put Roman reigns over. Right. So. And that, that, that kind of hurt as well. Again, is like, yeah, it wasn't. And, and I get again, why they don't want to do that. But again, you're, there, there's these weird hoops that you have to jump through just to get this guy, the title win. And just so you hope that maybe down the line, it's, it's just too much. I, I'm not going to, like you said, I'm not going to be able to throw roses. I'm not going to be able to say, Oh my God, that was masterful because they had to do all this sort of stuff. And, and, and I think it's also just straight up, you know, for, for the crowd there too. And we heard from some people that were there that, you know, once they, realized that Braun wasn't cashing in, which made, I mean, Braun was just on the outside. I mean, Braun, who, who the superhuman man that can move, literally move arenas and, and lift trucks and throw ambulances and do all this sort of stuff, you know, a, a few chair shots and a, and a, and an F5 and he's just done. You know what I mean? Like he's just out. He yeah. cannot even, he just can't even handle this stuff. And which I think is, when, which is the Braun conundrum at this point. Right. Exactly. Like you can't have him be superhuman and then also like bump for an arm drag, which you know he does. It's like he can't rip cage doors and then also, you know, a nerve hold hurts him. Like it, it's just it, it's silly, but um, that that you know that people in the crowd once they realize oh fuck they just signed off Braun's not cashing in then you got the bluebirds again so it's very much a deceptive type thing which you know if if you want to say that's good that that's pro wrestling one one is to deceive the crowd. And to an extent it is, but you want to deceive them to get them to eventually down the line pay for something that they want. I, I don't know. There's just like the deception that they're doing right now is not to get you to go buy house show tickets. It's not to get you to watch. It's it, it's deception for perception. And that that hurts like that's rich. Silly. They want they want Roman to look good on network TV. And- right. That's what I mean. It's just so how it looks to the outside world that it's fine and it's good and it's okay or whatnot. And that's, that's, I, it's, you know, miking, you know, muting crowds and doing this. It's just a lot of, a lot of stuff that just seems not worth it, but whatever, man, it's, it's just another chapter and uh, see how it goes. I, I have no interest in Roman Reigns. I'm, I'm, I'm over Roman Reigns. So, um, you know, it's SummerSlam was an okay show. And, um, and we move on to NXT takeover. Brooklyn four, which I keep saying three. <laughs> yeah, four, but, four. Uh, this is NXT Takeover uh, four. We have Bianca Belair versus Deanna Prazo and Pete Dunn versus Zach Gibson, which aired on NXT this week. If you want to hear reviews of that, you can uh, uh, hear that on our subscriber side. I reviewed those on the Thursday TV reviews today. Full reviews of both of those matches. We will talk about the uh, main show, which aired on Saturday, uh, starting with Undisputed Era successfully defending the tag team titles against mustache mountain. Uh, Rich, you finally did get, yeah, we talked about it. You got around to seeing the, uh, the title change and you loved it. You thought it was a five-star match. If I recall. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, and then uh, they have the, the, their third match here, two versus two. And this is what we've been talking about, man. Definitive ends to feuds, undisputed era successfully defended. We don't trade the titles back again or anything like that. They just beat them again. And another great fucking match. This might be my feud of the year to this point because this is everything I want out of wrestling. And they've had six-man matches. They've had singles matches. They've had the three tag team title matches. 
everything that these two sides have done, undisputed era, throw colon, uh, British strong style, throw done in, everything these two sides have done against each other has been fucking exquisite pro wrestling. And uh, this was another tremendous fucking match, which I would not be shocked if it pops up on match of the year lists, uh, cracking the bottom parts of people's top tens. Just awesome stuff. Yeah, I really loved it. I, I thought not as good as the, the TV one. I still think. The no, TV it was one was, yeah, I think the TV one is still going to be. I, I, I don't know if it's going to be my match of the year. It's definitely going to be in the running for sure. This one was just a step below it. Um, and it sucks because like it, it, we talk about this a lot. NXT tag matches tend to get this. It's, it's you know, in, in past years, it was, you know, Jason Jordan and Jack Cable, which that seems like centuries ago, given where those guys have gone yeah. since then. Like, but those in DIY, DIY or whatever, those ones kind of unfortunately cannibalized themselves because there was like two good ones or there'd be three good. Ma- and that's unfortunately what I think is going to happen with this one is I think the TV match might lose something because people might vote for this one when they, you know, you should probably vote for both of them. You know what I mean? Like they're both I think, incredible I think matches. The, I think the TV match as great as the other two were, is clearly the best of the three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree as well. I just hope that there aren't yeah. people that because there might be a time where people think, oh yeah, that match, and they might think the Brooklyn one. You know what I mean? Like I, I hope that people remember. No, no, no. It was the TV one that really was the better of the three or whatever. But like, it's gonna be those ones where you, you're really not bad picking any of the three. I think the Takeover one and and the TV one are were the two best. But yeah, it's gonna be nuts to see how that sort of uh, plays out for match of the year. But yeah, this one is incredible. Uh, again. We're going to talk about it a lot during the show. Decisive finish, a decisive end to a feud. You know, these guys just win. They just retain the titles. They, uh, they you know, it, it would have made a lot of sense to, to have Mustache Mountain, you know, win or, or whatever. But it's just like they looked great in defeat. That's fine. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's okay that they lost and it's okay that Undisputed Era won. It's just like you gave us a definitive thing and nobody lost anything when it was over. Both teams come away from whatever this is, whatever this feud was, looking better. And yeah, this was just an awesome, awesome match. A great way to kick the show off, too. I think, you know, in NXT now, you have at least like three or four tag team feuds that to me are all-time tag team rivalries in the history of wrestling. You have Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain uh, with their three matches. You've got uh, American Alpha and Revival. You've got Revival and DIY. These are all classic to me all-time tag team rivalries and and, and matches um, uh, that have happened under the NXT brand. Uh, it's just, you know, they, they really are these matches and these feuds and these rivalries have been that good. They're at that level. They're at all time levels. I really believe that. So we have Velveteen Dream versus EC3. As we sort of predicted, this was, you know, easily the fifth best match on the show, which we thought it would be considering the participants. But I thought they did well for themselves. There was nothing wrong with this. Uh, was it a killer blow away takeover match? No, but I didn't wasn't expecting it to be. Um, even though sometimes that's where the bar is, you do have to consider participants. Velveteen Dream wins. He does the uh, the uh, the the elbow on the apron. Rich, for a company where they work safe, there were a lot of head drops, <laughs> a lot of apron bumps, yeah, reverse ranas. Uh, you know, it's the hardest part of the ring, Joe. You know what I mean? Like, the it's, it's the hardest part of the ring that apron, and, and guys keep using it. And, they sh- and not just NXT, but on SummerSlam too, we saw a lot of dangerous stuff like that. Listen, I, I've, I'm sure the listeners have, have, are tired of us pounding it home, but I don't want to hear it from anyone anymore. How much safer this company is? You know, forget the 20 people on the disabled list who aren't wrestling right now. Just watch these two shows, and they're doing all the same shit that people in New Japan are doing, or people on the Indies are doing. So I don't want to hear it anymore. Okay, if you want to talk about all of pro wrestling, toning things down, fair, but stop cherry picking promotions. It's nonsense. All of these promotions are the same. 
this company, they aren't restricting these guys from doing apron moves or reverse ranas or head drops because I saw all of that shit on these two shows. And enough about the main event. We haven't gotten there yet, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the main event was just like a who's who of like dangerous ass moves from, and which is fine. I don't care. I'm fine with it. You know, exactly. Cause people, when we sort of make that joke, people are like, well, yeah, I agree. I'm like, no, I don't care. It's fine. I just don't want to be judged because the wrestling that I enjoy employs some of the same stuff that this does. I just don't want people to cherry pick promotions because it's happening everywhere. Right. There's no such thing as a safe wrestling promotion. They're all the fucking same. So uh, anyway, this was okay. This match was fine. What did you? Think it was better than I thought it was going to be. I'll be honest. Yeah. They they over delivered a lot. I thought this was going to be a train wreck, and especially you know as the match was going on, I'm like, oh my god, we're we're like plus ten minutes here. I don't know that I would give these guys this much time. And they got to what a little over fifteen minutes, and it was fine. It was pretty damn good for for given that these two guys definitely far and away the worst match on the entire show. But you know, shit, that's a kind of a high bar. I mean, I, I well, that's the thing. This is, this is a great show, and this is, I don't. This understand. is one of the best takeovers. There's people saying this is a lower tier takeover. And I don't understand. No, you're fucking nuts. This one was awesome. There was four matches that ruled. There were four matches well over four stars on this show. This is a yeah. great show. Yeah. And that and that's me not even loving the main event all that much. Right, 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 talk. right. But no, this uh, one way over delivered. Way, way, way over delivered this match. Yeah, for sure. So we had Ricochet and Adam Cole. Uh, Ricochet wins the North American title here. This had just a tremendous closing stretch. I, I love this match. Uh, you were iffy on Cole coming into this thing. Um, I was confident he'd deliver in a big spot. Uh, I, I suspect that you you ended up loving this match. What would you think of this? Talk us through yeah. it. No, I, I loved it. You're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, I think one thing, again, like we talk about definitive finishes, the idea that Ricochet just got, and I was sort of not, I, I watched this match after I watched SummerSlam, and I was preconditioned, and I don't know why I am, because NXT has never been that way. And Triple H, you know, even when he was in WWE in, in the main roster and booking himself, he's a guy, and that's that's one reason why I, I can't wait until he eventually takes over in some sense. He's not perfect in a lot of ways. There's some things that Triple H does that annoy me, but he is a man that definitely believes and definitive finishes. He's a guy that believes in who's winning this match. Why are they winning this match? Who's winning this feud? This guy wins. This guy wins the title. I mean, he even did that when he was wrestling. I mean, that's for better or for worse. There were times where he would do it and it was like, oh, geez, man, you really should have had somebody cheat there. You know, maybe, maybe don't beat Booker T clean in the middle of the ring or whatever, but he's, he believes in that. He believes in just this guy won. This guy was better on this night. And I was so conditioned to thinking, okay, as the match was getting in its closing stretch, all right, well, Undisputed Era is going to come out. They're going to try to cheat. Adam Cole is going to get screwed over because they fuck up and, and, you know, builds tension between them. And then Ricochet kind of gets lucky and rolls up Adam Cole or he gets lucky and hits his move. Ricochet just beat him. You know what I mean? Ricochet just yeah. got the upper hand, hit the six or the the six thirty, and just pinned him. And I'm looking yeah. at the ropes, and I'm looking. Oh my god, Adam Cole's going to get his legs up. He's going to kick out six more times. He didn't. Adam Cole just lost. And it's like Adam Cole didn't look bad though, because Adam Cole w- was with him move for move. But then Ricochet just rifled off a few more moves and went and won the match and won the title. And it's just like perfect. There you go. Adam Cole looks fine. Adam Cole can move on to whatever the next step of Adam Cole's going to be. And Ricochet, I thought this was more than anything a star making performance for Ricochet. I think Adam Cole did well. You know, I'm not a huge on Adam Cole, but I think he did very well. He definitely stepped up here. But I think I come away from this match going, oh my God, that dude Ricochet is a fucking star. And we knew well, that. You were down. You were down on Ricochet coming in. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm not anymore. And, no, I, that, and I was not. I, I, so I don't see it quite like that because I thought he's done an excellent job in NXT. You were down on him. Yeah, well, I think more than anything that the idea that he just won clean, the announcers put him over. They yeah. talked about how much of a star he was. You can tell that this is a guy that they sure. believe now that they because they're, they're behind. Yeah, and that's always one of my worries with Ricochet is would they just kind of say whatever? And it's like again, it's nuts that this guy spent a five a five additional years on the Indies when he probably didn't need to. But whatever, you know. Remember he had tryouts, and now we have yes. you know. 
guys that do flips. Like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, but I'm still fucking ricochet. So it's, it, it's ridiculous. He had to wait until 2018 to get signed, but whatever. Who cares? Um, it doesn't matter because he's here now. And, and this was a, a next level star making performance, if I want to say it. Just you can tell with all the muscle that they're behind this dude and they want this guy to succeed and they want this guy to be a star and they want this guy to be on top of the brand. And this was an awesome way to do it. Incredible match. And my God, that, that super kick off the backflip. I watched that thing 15 times. That's my, oh, this, yeah. just, my favorite spot was, ever. I just, I could not stop watching that. This there were match- some mind blowing spots. The, the, yeah. Yes. The super kick on the quebrada and the, um, the, the, uh, how about the, uh, the Rana to the floor? Um, you know, oh, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just you know, the, the, to the, the floor yeah, off right. of the apron, and then the the strike exchange where they both went down. One thing that Adam Cole is great at, and listen, we're as big Adam Cole critics as anyone, but I got to be fair. And one thing I noticed about Adam Cole that I really noticed here is in his big matches, he has a knack for putting the big spots in the right places. He does. He does. He is great at that. Okay. He's a guy who really has everything figured out. A lot of the reasons why people like us are down on him are why he's great. Okay. He doesn't go all out in TV matches or six man tags or things like that. He's kind of got that Tanahashi thing to him. Right. Now I'm not saying he's as good as Tanahashi. Don't start. Okay. Don't get Don't, don't, don't jump on Twitter and, and say that I said that. That's not what I'm saying, but he kind of has a Tanahashi thing where he picks his spots and he knows when to go all out, which is what I expressed last week. But more so than that inside the match, a lot, he's a lot like Tanahashi in where he knows how to put the big spots and to get the big reaction. He's not just out there going Adam Cole, baby to get, no, he's like all of the big spots in this match were right where they should have been. The match peaked in all the right spots. And that was and that's that's been consistent for him during his rise as a single star. So that's one thing that he's excellent at. And there were several examples of that here. On one hand, Adam Cole is real weird. Because on one hand, he's super overrated. And on the other hand, you can make an argument he's super underrated as well. I mean, I think you can make arguments for both and be right at the, at right. the same yeah, time. Yeah. On, any, on, a, on a night-by-night basis, you can both be right and wrong about that. <laughs> He's like Derek Jeter. You know, it's like the whole Derek Jeter thing. He was the most overrated and underrated player in the league at the same time. And you weren't wrong about either one. You know, and, and, and that's kind of what Adam Cole is. And, um, you know, I don't know if it was here or on the pay show or on, I forget where I said it. I said it somewhere. But I was talking to an indie wrestler who said – that he's modeling, he's going to try to model himself after Adam Cole because he says Adam Cole has managed to get over by doing less than ever. And I want to be that, you know? And, and, and so other wrestlers recognize the way that Adam Cole has carved his path, you know? And it's, but he does step up in these big spots. And I, I really did think this was an excellent match. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, we talk about all the time the, the accentuating the positives too. And Adam Cole probably knows that, hey, look, I can go in there and try to be. Uh, you know, he's not, you're never going to be Ricochet. You, you know what I mean? Adam Cole is right. never going to be Ricochet. Adam Cole is never going to be Kyle O'Reilly. You know what I mean? Kyle O'Reilly, the guy he had long feuds with and tag teams with. It was obvious that one guy was the super worker of the team and the other guy was Adam Cole. You know what I mean? Like, and I can't believe it's funny you mention that because this same wrestler said to me, I will never be Ricochet, but I can be Adam Cole. Exactly. Right. Anybody can be, you know, if you, if anybody can basically be Adam Cole. Adam Cole could be Adam Cole. You know, Adam Cole is not a great athlete by any means. You know, he's a, he's a good wrestler. He's not. Has, has Adam Cole ever done anything in a match where you went, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. 
I mean, no, I don't think I ever have. I've been like, like oh my god, that's just a, a that, physical, amazing. No, yeah, no, like no, holy no, shit, no. wow, I can't believe you did that, or oh my god, what? How does he even do that, or how do you even do that? Like Ricochet does that fifteen times a match, and that's Ricochet's sort of thing. But right. Adam Cole's always been a guy that, like you said, the in between parts, the pick your spot, the super kick at the exact right moment, the the right punch at the right moment, the right taunt at the right. You know, he's he's good at that stuff. The in betweens, which is a great idea too, especially in 2018 wrestling, where a lot more people are going to be your Ricochet types, your your super worker types. There's going to be a lot less of the guys on the fringes, the guys that are good at doing the little things and, and stuff. So yeah, go, Pretty you know, I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge any wrestler that says, Hey, fuck, you know, I'm probably not gonna be ricochet, but man, I'm going to be really good at doing the in-between stuff and really good at doing the other stuff. I don't, I don't, I mean, it's a great way to go about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we had next up was Kyrie saying defeating Shayna Baszler. Now look, I was rooting for Baszler here. I think we were both pretty clear about that last yes. week, but I don't have a problem with Sane winning. That's the thing. Like, it's not to me a super disappointing result that Baszler lost. Plus, I love the way they went about it and where Sane kind of caught her off guard without it coming off like a fluke, which is such a hard thing to do, right? Like, it's so hard to have it where Shayna Baszler is upset with herself for losing and she got caught, but at the same time, it didn't come off like a banana peel thing or a fluke win for Sane. It felt like Sane earned it, but it did feel like Baszler blew it too. That's such a hard line to walk, especially for Baszler, with, with, who isn't exactly a 20-year pro, you know? And we know Sane's great, but the match itself was awesome. And again, I don't know why people didn't like this show. Well, I do know why people didn't like this show. We'll get to that. But this match fucking ruled too. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. And I love it. Like you said, it was definitive again, uh, you know, to cream it to the high heavens again, the person that they wanted to win won, and nobody, everybody looked good at the end of it. Everybody looked a positive. And, and like you said, they, they, it, it wasn't that, that saying caught her. It wasn't that saying found a moment of weakness and, and, and pounced on it. She was the stronger person by this. Baszler did everything that Baszler would normally do. Baszler did the thing that worked for her a hundred times. That's worked for her and everybody against NXT. That's gotten her to the championship match. Sane was just one step a little bit smarter than her and decided, Hey, I'm going to bridge out of this and that that's all it was and basically yeah. kicked out and, almost and immediately way, and it was just like shit she caught me god damn it like and the way know, they like, set it up too when Baszler lifted up the foot on the drop and on the elbow drop so then it oh looks my like god, oh, how great was that yeah what a great spot and then you're like and then she puts her in a choke and you're like it's over and then the the great bridge spot and it's like oh my god this match fucking ruled yeah it was how so awesome good was this yeah, and, and like I said, it wasn't like you said, it wasn't that that Baszler was arguing with the ref and then Sane came over and rolled her up and that's how right. it was or whatever. It wasn't that Baszler was was freaking out. Baszler was cool, calm, collected, had everything ready to go. She didn't there wasn't any moment of weakness for Baszler. Baszler was fine. Baszler was what she always was. Sane on this moment was just a little bit better, was a little bit smarter, had scouted, was just kind of aware and, and, and an idea of, hey, when this happens, I'm going to do this. And it was awesome. And it puts both people over. Baszler doesn't lose a thing in defeat. And Zane looks like a million bucks, too. And she, you know, and it's it, when you make titles important, when you make title matches important, when people just win titles, you get moments like Kyrie Zane crying and the crowd going nuts when she won the NXT title. I mean, it's, it's an important thing. Even me, I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm jumping up and down. Like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't care. You know, I shouldn't care. It's a random fucking title. But titles are so cool and so important when you tell good processing stories. They're the when best way to tell them. a story. Yeah. And, and it's like, and, and they both had themselves, they both had the other so well scouted. You, look, um, Baszler survived. Okay, the elbow to the back, the first elbow that Sane did off the top was to the back, and Baszler uh, rolled out of the ring. Then there was another elbow later, and Baszler kicked out. Then there was the third elbow, and Baszler got the foot up. 
Uh, you know, every time she had the answer, but then when she, but, but Sane had the answer for the choke every time too, whether it was making the ropes or, or the bridge that ended up winning the match, they had each other well scouted and they told the story of these are the two best wrestlers in this division, in this brand. And they went out there and showed you, and one was just a little better this time. How is this the how same company? You, how is this the same company? How is this the same company? This is so great. Listen to the excitement oh in our God, voices. The nuance, the perfect nuance, just the nailing the story. It's just, how is this the same? God, I mean, compare this to the junk that some of the junk we saw on SummerSlam. You know, it, it, God, this was so fucking great. And everything I wanted it to be between these two. Oh, this was so fucking good. And I can't wait for them to wrestle again. And I'll be rooting for Baszler again, but I won't be mad if Sane wait. How can you be? Right. I'm afraid they're going to call Baszler up. I, I'm terrified they're yeah. going to call Baszler I know, up. I don't want anybody to ever be called up. But the problem is the, the fact that they do call them up makes NXT a little more fresh because people move in and out yes. or whatever. But I'm just yes. horrified because the people you love are just Chad Gable, man. I love Chad. I thought Chad Gable was the shit. I, you can't find him with a search party now, Chad Gable. It's just unbelievable. Well, we talked about all this. You know, and, time. And, yeah. and we talked about all this and you know, it's, it's like, people get called up. And that's it. They're they're just the authors like of pain. The authors of pain. My yeah. God, I watched them have an incredible match live against DIY. I was blown away. And oh my God, these guys they're they're just the biggest fucking jobbers in the world now. And they're done. They're toast. They're, the, they're You're the never AOP. recovering them. You're never recovering them. Yeah, they're the AOP. They're the AOP Rich. Right. The they're AOP. done. They're toast. They're never going to get anywhere. It's just it's so no. weird and disappointing. And you get your favorites like Baszler now. It's like, oh no, I don't want her to ever go. She's great. No, I don't I want her. I just got. I just got into her like three months ago or whatever. And now and I don't, don't want to hear. <laughs> and I don't want to hear this bullshit. I don't want them to make money. Of course I do. But yeah. for my entertainment purposes, I don't want people to get called up. Right. I don't. Right. I'm, not then paying, I, I'm not paying their bills. I'm just watching them on TV, so I don't give a shit. So sorry. People get called up, and I instantly lose interest in them because yeah. how can you not? How can you fucking not? The way that they're the, the way that they're used. You know, you can't invest in any of these people once they get called up. Daniel Bryan came back. I don't care about Daniel Bryan anymore. I just don't care. And and, and it shouldn't be that way. So anyway, we had uh, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, their latest battle here. And uh, now look, to some extent, and Rich, don't stay on your stay on your fucking. I, you're like a wild dog. No, I'm good. No, hold on now. You're like a wild dog chained to a tree for what I'm about to say. But I want you to let to some extent. They they booked themselves into a corner here. Now hold on, don't jump down my throat because I know you hate that. <laughs> because but but to, but it wasn't their fault because Black got hurt, right? And okay, you know so, what the finish was probably going to be with Black in there. No, I, I get it. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm so not jump so this wasn't supposed to be their third match yet. So to some extent, they kind of got booked in a corner. Right. Now they, they, NXT gets the benefit of the doubt in that situation. So right, because I know that they don't book that. like idiots. Because I know that they know what they want to do and have concise stories. So no, don't worry. Because for new listeners, Rich's counter argument is always: you should never get booked to book yourself into a corner because you book the shit. So just don't do it, which is a valid point. Now, could they have put Lars Sullivan in this match? Lars Sullivan doing nothing, not involved in anything, has a built-in storyline with Black already. Sure. Could they have put someone else in this match? Another pin eater, uh, Cassius Ono, name your person. Okay, if you think Ono's too much of a jobber, name someone. Sure. But look, they decided to go with this. They didn't want to do this. You're going to get a fourth match. Let them off the hook a little because you're really getting match 3.5. They didn't mean to do this. Okay, so that's number one. 
Number two, my second point here, and then I'll hand it off to Rich to say what he has to say. Look, did I love this? No. Have I been critical of this? Yes. Did I think the finish was stupid? Yes. Um, With that said, I can't have two guys like this go out there and work that hard and work that well and tell the story that they're supposed to be telling as well as they did and call this a garbage match. I can't. They work too hard for that. Um, So from that perspective, while I'm not into this at all and have no emotional attachment or investment in it at all, and while I don't give a shit who wins this fucking feud, and I just want to end already, just like the rest of you, in a vacuum, the bell to bell, what this was, aside from the dopey finish, which we can break down, they worked too hard and it was too good for me to call it a bad match. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't call it a bad match. Now. Do I think it's match to your level? I don't. Do I love this feud the way some people do? And a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. You get outside the bubble. This is People love this shit. This is going to win feud of the year. I saw someone jump down Meltzer's throat because he said he thinks it's going to win feud of the year. Oh, it's so going to win feud of the year. It's going to win. Now, I'm not going to vote for it. And Rich isn't going to vote for it. And a lot of you aren't going to vote for it. But this is winning feud of the year. Oh, for sure. Okay. And, and it may not be my thing, but they worked too fucking hard. I, it, it, to say that this was bad, it, this was not a bad match. That's ridiculous. This was not a bad match. But Rich, go ahead. Yeah, I'm. I'm I went into this because, of course, I said like I watched you know half of NXT Takeover. I was I was doing something on Saturday night, so I was able to watch it live. Uh, so I watched a little bit of it on Sunday morning, and then watched the rest of it kind of Monday morning. So I kind of split this up. And and by the time I watched this match, I had read all the reactions to it, and people, you know, like I said, in our bubble, really complaining about it, really hating on it, and 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 saying it was it was this and it was whatever. But when I was done watching it, I, I like you said, I, it was it, it's a weird sort of thing. It's an appreciation for, oh, my God, these dudes are going out there and doing an incredible job of telling the story that I don't care about. You know, what I mean, I have no buy in for the story. People that have buy in for the story. This is probably a very good match. And this is another great chapter in this amazing story that they're telling. I'm kind of over the story. I'm kind of over the feud, even though these are two of my favorite wrestlers, you know, that, I, that I've watched over the last decade or so. So that kind of takes away from a little bit because i just don't have that buy-in so i'm always going to be sort of weary of anything that sort of happens and kind of like eh, whatever and and when it was done though i thought they did a really good job with this match i thought they they kept my attention even though i hate last man standing matches but it wasn't it wasn't bogged down by the people waiting around for people to stand up that's that's when they do wf you know WWE last hand standing matches it's usually guy hits a guy guys you know tells the ref hey count him and like you know it happens 400 times in a match where they go one two three always oh, up at three all right whatever always oh, up at five and like that gets that gets annoying they didn't do that much here this was brutality this was these dudes going to kill each other again and and, and stuff and i thought they were creative with the spots they created with callbacks there. Again, they told a great story match. It works perfectly for the story they're trying to tell. I just don't like the story. So that's always an issue. So it's weird when you when you're done with the match, you have an appreciation for it. You understand what they sort of did. And you you appreciate again. I keep using that word. And I think that's probably the best one for it. You appreciate what they're trying to go for. But you can then understand, hey, this just isn't quite for me. It's like the same thing we talked about with Lucha. I can watch a Lucha match and go, OK, well, that's exactly what it needed to be for that audience. And the people that love it, love it. Just doesn't work for me. That's that's what this match was for me. I appreciated it. I knew what they were going for. The finish was a little wonky, but again, I understood the finish. I understand why they did the finish. I get what the reasoning behind it was. It just all was kind of wonky, and I'm just not that invested. So that kind of hurt it for me, and that's why it's not, to me, one of the best matches on the show. Probably the 
third or fourth best match on the entire show, even if the work itself was very good and, and, and the story that they're telling is very good. It just doesn't work for me. It's just not a good story for me, and it's not something I'm invested in. So that's sort of the caveats there. But uh, I think they definitely did an incredible job, and they're doing some some crazy crazy stuff in these this, these matches and this feud. And like you said, if this is not the safe company if these matches exist on it, because these are not safe matches on any level whatsoever. And I don't want them to be. I want them to be brutal. I want them to be what they are. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, a unique match in the finish, you know, with Johnny Gargano going for the knee and, and hitting a, a a speaker, whatever the hell he hit, and that being the finish. That that kind of stunk. It, it just it didn't work. And the crowd, that's, I think, the thing. NXT is so good at the crowd going right in line with what they want and the crowd never feeling disappointed and feeling that they got what they wanted. And they 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 it, it they didn't though on this night. You know what I mean? They booed both guys. They booed the finish. They booed the booking. And that that's something that doesn't happen in NXT very often. And they in a lot of ways boo Johnny Gargano. Like, God damn it, dude. Like you fucked up again. You're just a loser. You know what I mean? And like they didn't boo Ciampa because he's an asshole. It just more looked like Johnny Gargano was a loser again. And that's that's an issue. That's something they're gonna have to work out. And I don't know if they're gonna I know NXT tapings are going on right now. I'm not looking at the spoilers, so so I don't know what's going on, but I, they might just have to go into that. You know what I mean? They might just have to go into this guy's like a loser. He's the Buffalo Bills of NXT or whatever. Cause he can't just do the because this wasn't him going overboard. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it was, you know, the, the pre the prior match in Chicago, he just went a little too far and he didn't need to and all that sort of stuff, or he just went a little nuts. This wasn't necessarily him going nuts. This was him doing what he thought would win him the match. Like one more move would have won him the match. And, and yeah, it but he blew it, but he blew it again. Right. And, but I, and, but you know what I'm saying though? Like in the other ones, he almost had the matches and got a little too yeah. cute with it and wanted to get more brutal. Yes. This one, he yes. didn't have it. This one, he needed one more thing to do to knock this guy out for good. Champa's on his knee saying, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And Gargano's like, fuck off. You're done. You're dead to me. And, and if he hits that knee, it, it is, he's done. And he wins the title. So I understand why he did it. You know, the, the thing in Chicago, he was getting a little too cute. He was going outside the ring. He just got caught and, and, and was a little too much. This one, he needed that match and he blew it again. Like you're saying, he blew it, but it was more he choked and he was a loser more so than like, you can't, you know, like it, it's not that, you know, in prior matches, you've said, oh, if Johnny just got his head on straight, he'd be fine. His head was on straight. He thought through everything and decided, no, 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 this is my moment. I need this this is what I'm going to do to you to finally put you away. And he couldn't do it. So it's more to me, it's more, he comes off as a choker and a loser more so than a guy that just needs to get his head on straight. If that makes sense. No, I hear you, but I mean, it's kind of like they are kind of repeat yet. Like you're saying a choker. Uh, And what I sensed was at the end of this match, they had the crowd all the way through the match, but I got a weird feeling at the finish and in the post-match stuff that they finally may have lost. Yeah. Oh no. The boo, the boo was for, Oh my God. Again, like you're yeah. not, no, it and, was a, booking, gonna, it was a booking boo. It wasn't a boo. It was like that, yes. that muddled, like a thousand people just being like, uh, not even know, a that, boo, just a, I can't believe a groan. like it was kind of like a collective, like, uh, like the air had just gotten sucked out of the arena type of, they were ready for this right now yeah. and they didn't get it. And here's the, here's the thing, Rich, it's going to culminate in front of the same crowd. Because they're going to wrap this up WrestleMania weekend in the same fucking metropolitan area. So the same fans and with some fly-ins, of course. I mean, so I worry about it now. I worry that – I worry that the hardcore WWE fan is now growing tired of this the way that the, 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 the bubble nerds like us tired of it months ago. That's the feel I got at the end of it. And uh, that's a bad sign for this. And then, again, they were handed a rough hand with with the injury and everything. But it is what it is. It's interesting, Rich. I was reading 
earlier today because I've been rewatching Breaking Bad. Okay. Now you've never seen it, right? I've seen a few episodes here and there. It's too, I, I was a little bit behind on it and I'm like a weird completist about shows. And when shows are like, you know, when there's 10 seasons or whatever, I want to start from the beginning, but now I'm sure. kind of like, ah, oh, geez, it's too arduous. So I've, I've seen episodes here and there, but I have not watched the whole yeah. thing. Right. So. Well, the point here has nothing to do with the plot, but I, I, I've been rewatching Breaking Bad because, because uh, TLB never saw it and I've been watching it with her. And um, I went back and 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 I read the Breaking Bad entry in TV the book by Alan Sepinwall. I have read Matt that. Zoller. Yeah, Matt Zoller cites. It's a great book. They ranked the top 100 shows of all time. Um, but I went back to read the Breaking Bad entry just because I've been watching it. You know what I mean? So, uh, and, and they talk about how the writers of Breaking Bad uh, would say that many times during the series – they wrote themselves into a corner. That was the exact verbiage used. I'm looking for the entry, but I can't find it because I just thought of it now. I, I didn't pre-plan this. They wrote themselves into a corner several times during, during you know, the show, but then it became a challenge to intelligently write themselves out of that corner, which kind of speaks to your point earlier of why you should never book yourself into a corner. And if you do, you know, it's your job to be creative enough to get out of it. You know what I mean? And Breaking Bad is considered, they, they have it ranked as the fifth greatest show of all time. Everyone who's seen it considers it, you know, one of the greatest shows ever. And, and the writing never came off like it was forced or they boxed themselves into a corner because they got in a room and they fucking figured it out. You know, and I think in wrestling, I think a lot of times they either take the easy way out or they don't lock themselves in a room and just fucking figure it out, you know? And that really speaks to a point that you've been making for years on this show where it should never happen to begin with. You know? Right. It, you, you feel so much more rewarded too when, when they, when, when you know that they're, cause you know that too, you sense as well that like, ah, geez, how are they going to get out of this? And when they get out of it, it's like, Oh man, that was awesome. Like that really was, it, it you feels more rewarding. And, and if, and when they eventually get out of this, maybe they do an incredible thing when this is all done, when this Gargano Ciampa thing is over and it's like, damn, they, they made it work. They made it happen or whatnot. But I'd much rather that than like next week on NXT Ciampa, just like, move on. You know what I mean? Like they just decide, uh, yeah. whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Ah, forget it. We'll just move on and get out of there. So that's, it, it's, it, it's tricky. It's definitely a balance, but no, I appreciate the work in this match. It's just the story's not working for me. And, and I think that they're dangerously close to the story, not working for anybody uh, in a little bit. So again, like I said, I know they're taping NXT right now, so don't scream at us about whatever's going on. I don't look at the spoilers. I try to watch NXT without uh, spoiler free. So I do not know what's been going on uh, with NXT. Yeah, I try and not look at it either. But uh, overall, look, I thought this was a great takeover show. I think people are, are at it. Yeah, what do people say? Lines. This is incredible. This is one of the best takeovers ever. Like, <laughs> Well, here's why. It's because if you totally hated Gargana Ciampa, I could see you saying why it's a subpar takeover. Dude, three of those matches were like... <laughs> I, I get it. Incredible. I hear you. The bar is really high, though. And, yeah. when you have, and, and the main event, you know that carries more weight than anything else. If you leave people with a bad taste in their mouth with the main event, it 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 just matters more. I mean, you could have a, a so-so show and a killer main event, and people will remember that show as being better than the show that was great all the way through with a shitty main event. Yeah. It's just oh, for sure. 
And I think one of the issues too is I think a lot of people, when we talk about this before and we preview uh, takeovers and talk about all oh, the best takeover, the worst takeover, people romanticize takeovers and, 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 and G1s it happens too. I know Alan yes. for our, our friend Alan Cunahan yeah. was, was talking about this where, where people romanticize past G1s. Oh, this, this year's G1 was not nearly as good as last year's. We hear that every single year. <laughs> it's like, you know, go back and look like, you know, and we tell people for takeovers, go and look like this is, this is a next level good takeover. I mean, these three matches on here were, were bona fide match of the year contenders. Like I, I honestly, like I love Zane and Baszler that much. Maybe other people aren't as high on that as, as we are. Maybe that's why they're not as as high on the show. But I thought that was incredible. I thought the Undisputed Era and, and Mustache Mountain was a match of the year contender. And I thought Adam Cole and Ricochet was right up there as well in, in terms. Of, I don't know if it's quite match of the year contender, but right on the neck of it. And and yeah. So if anything else was okay, I think that's a really really good show. So yeah. Well, I, I saw well. people. I saw people down on the Ricochet Adam Cole match too. But I that's think. Nuts. Yeah. That's look. And and I think what happens is. It's like people don't like Cole and they dig their heels in. I think there's some yeah, of that. I'm one of them, but you know, I was, and, but, I'm all Sometimes you got to admit what it, right, right. When something's good, it's good. And I think that people just look, and I'm not saying this is not me saying you had to like it, but I think there's people who were not going to like Gargano Ciampa no matter what. Um, they, they just decide, and that's fine. If you decide you're tired of it, if you decide it's too melodramatic, I get it. Because listen, Rich. Who was the first fucking person you heard that was down on Gargano Ciampa's feud? It was me. I was the first one out there screaming about the melodramatic bullshit. I was the first one out there saying Johnny Gargano melodramatic bullshit. I'm fucking tired of it. I led the fucking charge, so I get it. But I think that's why people have this perception of the show. By the way, Matt Riddle showed up. Oh, yes. Matt Riddle showed up. Uh, fun little notes uh, in the Observer as well about this. And this came out uh, as well. I'll read this uh, directly from the Observer, but it came out in an interview as well. So uh, Lisa Riddle, uh, who's Matt's wife, uh, on uh, August 12th did an interview where she acknowledged his signing with uh, NXT, which was a little bit earlier than they wanted to, but whatever. Not a big deal. She said in June that Matt had gotten an offer from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, when WWE found out about the offer, uh, as Matt told Gabe Sapolsky, who was of course, Gabe Sapolsky under contract with uh, WWN and, and sort of behind the scenes working with NXT. I forget. What, what's the exact? Did they ever say what his exact is he consultant? What what does he have a job title? Necessarily? I don't know his title, but um, he, he's he got does. he's got Paul of phone number. <laughs> and, and he's getting paychecks, too. Right. And, he's getting paychecks with WWE and can call Paul of on a moment's notice, which he did. He's driving found some out. creative yeah. carts, too. Yeah, exactly. And that's. Yeah. So anyway, uh, anyway, what you're saying is Riddle got the offer from New Japan. He had to go to his boss, right? Who was Gabe Sapolsky to clear dates and you know whatever. But go, go on. Yeah. So so he's, Matt Riddle tells Gabe Sapolsky, "Hey, I got this offer from New Japan." Um, Sapolsky says, "Okay." Uh, Matt suddenly gets a call from Paul Levesque, Triple H. After a 30 minute discussion, Paul Levesque offered him a contract. So it is funny how such a coincidence that after all these years. They were finally on the same day that New Japan contacted them. They were ready to get him a contract. It's just, it's just nuts how these things happen. I mean, this world, man, it's, you know, yeah. you could have found and anybody Jeff. on Tinder, but you found the lovely Brittany. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, That's right. fate happens, Joe. <laughs> Paul Levesque was just about to call him, you know, seconds earlier. And then he, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. How this, All how by this chance. <laughs> it's just, Very obvious. You know, this world, man, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm atheist, but so, you know sometimes there's just things that happen. Fate just sometimes happens, Joe. So it's amazing. I'm sure it was just a coincidence. And it was, <laughs> Gabe, I have to go to the anyway. bathroom. I will be right back. <laughs> but good for him. Yeah, I, yeah. Gabe made the uh, holy shit phone call to uh, <laughs> Triple H and said, well, "We better get moving on this." And uh, and the way we go. So uh, there was a third match. Uh, I'm sorry, a third show over the weekend. 
Oh, I do want to say if, if people, sorry, not to, not to interrupt, but uh, on Matt Riddle, if you have not watched the WWN mini doc uh, that they did about Matt Riddle, awesome stuff. Really good stuff. Riddle is great in it as well. He breaks down. He's, he's basically crying as he's talking about, you know, his evolution in wrestling and, and how much WWN meant to him and stuff. So there's really good stuff. And it's, it's all true. I mean, WWN, I mean, they, they, this guy has been, when you see what he was like when he first came in and whatnot, and, and yeah, he took to it again, like we talked about Rousey, uh, who just took to it right away, which again, just sign people from UFC. Apparently that's the only way to t- do this. But like, you know, when, when he, he was the guy who was still, he took to it quickly, but you could tell that there was still some stuff in terms of promo, in terms of carrying himself, in terms of his body and that sort of stuff. Man, when you compare what he is now and how just polished he is and how just he just knows the game, understands wrestling, understands the nuance of it, knows how to cut a promo, knows how to do all that stuff and compare it to what he was when he first came in. You could see the evolution there in just a few years. But that WM Mini Doc does a great job. And and Riddle, you you want to root for him after this when he talks about um you know caring for his children and caring for his wife who 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 has her issues as well. And I, I don't know if those were public uh before that video as well. Really, really good stuff, really touching stuff. And here's the guy that again we we talk about all the time where you know some guys we don't want to go to WWE because we think that they have opportunities elsewhere and they can do great stuff other places where you know sometimes they get stifled by WWE and we get frustrated by that. But there are some guys where it's just perfect for and I think Riddle is a guy that we've long thought this is probably the best landing spot for him. This is a spot where he's going to get over. I think they're going to do great stuff with him. I don't know what the hell main roster. We have no idea anymore about main roster. That's just kind of whatever. But he's a guy that I think in NXT is going to succeed. He's a guy who I have no issues. This seems like the next logical step for his career. So I have no issue. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not for me to decide if I have an issue for it or not. But when you hear this promo and you see how important it is to him to make that next step and to get that call up, uh, you know, it's, it's good. So good for him. Uh, and he gave WWE a lot of real great years as well. And they talk about, again, the evolution of Gargano leaving and Matt Riddle being there that moment to sort of, you know, take the, you know, you know the, the pass the baton in a way to from Gargano to Riddle. And now Riddle, who he passes the baton to now, and they sort of frame it as Darby Allen and, and J.D. Drake. <laughs> you know, I, mean? I like Darby Allen. Uh, J.D. Drake is 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 fine. He's J.D. Drake, but uh, it's not, not going to be J.D. Drake. Right. It's not quite the baton. We can say it. It's right. not going to be J.D. Drake. <laughs> it's not quite the baton. You know what I mean? Gargano giving the baton to Matt Riddle and Riddle carrying it for, you know, two years. Listen. I don't think the, J.D. Drake's the, the baton recipient. That is really not a happen. chance. The, the best part of that video for me was Matt Riddle breaking down and crying and and talking about how his quality of life was so much better as an independent wrestler than as a UFC fighter. Yeah. You know, with all the training involved. And right. I can see my family. Dads. I can see my wife and my kids. Yes, yeah. because he would just have to fly off on the weekends and he's home three or four days a week. Right. Which is what we talk about all the time when people say, oh, well, they're on the indies. They're going to be they're not grinding in cars. And Nobody eating, listens, you know, out of, out of gas stations. Not while Matt Riddle the next, anyway. Not Matt the Riddle. next podunk town or whatever. Yeah, maybe you're running the mill indie guy is, but not Who's your trying stars. to make it least, not right. Matt Riddle and not Daniel Bryan. If he would have chose to leave. I mean, come on now. And, and he said how he got to travel the world and, and, and was making a ton of money. And and that was really a touching part of it and a shocking part of it. And I think a real eye opener. Um, you know, that the quality of life and, and the money and all those things were mm-hmm. better, uh, you know, uh, being a top level indie guy, which I hope people remember that when they're ah, he's an indie guy, you know, you're not going to make anything. You make more right. work in main event on the okay. not Cody's necess- always home. Not Cody's never anywhere but his house. Cody's uh, always in his house. He's always yeah, with his dog. Like- a ton of money. If you're a top level <laughs> indie guy. Yeah. So anyway, I, that was kind of an eye opener. Yeah. But uh, we got about a half hour left and three topics to get to. Let's talk yeah. about this. Joey Janela lost the New York show. Um, I didn't see the match that's getting the most hype, which was the KTB Marco stunt match, which Marco stunt has become an overnight sensation. He's now booked 
everywhere. Uh, give SCI credit. They booked him first in the uh, his first big time booking anyway, booking that people took notice of, however you want to frame it. He was booked for the SCI and then he ended up on this Joey Janela show off of the SCI. I think he was on the SCI future show. Correct. And yeah. now off and now off of this Janela show, he's fucking everywhere. He's an all uh, in. He's Stunt. an all in. He's every. If you are going to a wrestling show anytime in the next two months, you are going to see Marco Stunt. You're so. going to see Marco Stunt. So, <laughs> and this match with KTB. Now, look, this was a, a really could end up being a career making match because okay, he got booked on this based off getting booked at the SCI and getting a little bit of buzz there. But if he drops the ball against KTB, none of that that happens afterwards. A lot of what happens afterwards maybe doesn't happen. But this match killed it. It was pretty much the consensus match of the night. And an indie star was made in this match. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, mean, I didn't you, see it, so you need to talk. It's about good. It. No, it's really good. It, it, it's it's fun. Basically, the idea that you have to know is KTB um, is this monster. He's huge or whatever. He, oh, huge by indie standards. No, he's actually a big dude in real life, too. He, he kicked the fuck out of him. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's a big wide. Dude. He's yeah, he's wide. a very he's wide man. Thick. Uh, and Marco Stunt is not. Marco Stunt is basically the size a, of an 11-year-old. He looks like an 11-year-old. He was posing as a fan. KTB basically said, does anybody want to challenge me? And everyone's pointing at this one fan. Uh, and it's it, you know fan. I'm using air quotes there. Obviously, great job on a podcast. Use air quotes. But uh, so you look at him. He you know takes his hat off and gets in the ring and then just starts doing Hurricane Rana's and doing flip dives and all this sort of stuff. He eventually loses. You know, KTB does beat him. But yeah, it was incredible. It was smooth work. The, the thing, though, with Marco Stunt, and this is going to be the, the, the unfortunate thing with him is that once you get the this guy is small oh my god look how small he is and oh my god i can't believe he just did an incredible hurricane run and did this it's gonna have to be uh, that's gonna wear off eventually you know what i mean for that first run we said with like the pco thing that first run with pco where it's like oh my god it's pco haha that's hilarious you know that eventually will wear off and then what's the next step from him what's the next character progression what's the next you know match progression when it's not just big guy marco stunt oh my god he's doing funny things even though he looks like an 11 year old which he's doing a great job. No, more power to him. He's getting bookings all over the place, so good for him. I'm just curious now what that next step is going to be. We always look at that and wonder, okay, he's got this. you got your initial wave of bookings. That second booking, is that going to come? Is he going to get those second bookings? And that's what's going to be fascinating to see. He's very crisp as a worker, so I have no doubt that he will. It's just a matter of will any will, will people book him for anything but the sideshow of him being well, so small. Well, the, question is, the question is what else can you do with him? Right. And that's I don't know. We all I'll have to see if anybody does that. If this first wave of bookings is just big guy versus Marco stunt. OK, then. But what you, else? You can't listen. You, you can't make him an ace. He's, he can't you can't build your promotion around. Right. Him. Right. Exactly. You know, that might I don't know if people won't necessarily want to hear that or not, but it's the truth. You can't you can't build your promotion around them um, to give you an idea. He's smaller than Spud. There was a picture floating around Twitter of him that he took with with uh, Drake Maverick and he's smaller than him, which is crazy. Because he's like, what, five foot flat or something? I mean, he's remarkably small, and this guy's smaller. Um, but, but yeah, he's a breakout star at this point. He's booked everywhere, and you're going to see him all over the place. I didn't see that match, and I didn't see MJF versus Nate Webb, where the band got involved. Oh, correct? you missed the two best matches? <laughs> I know. Those, those are the two matches I didn't yeah, see. Yeah, fucking Weedus Man came in, the lead singer of Weedus. I don't know his name, and, and did like a perfect <laughs> – <laughs> underhook DDT to MJF. Like, oh, like, and Joe, I'm not lying. You know, when I watch the rest of the show, we, this guy probably did a better underhook DDT than like 75% of this roster. I, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, he, he, we, this guy is probably better than everybody in the, in the grab the brass ring six man ladder match. 
Okay. Oh, that's all well, that match fucking stunk. Right. <laughs> I won't and, lie, Joe. I skipped it. Everybody told me it fucking sucked, so I skipped it. So. It was garbage. And, and it the kept problem- going. Oh, my God. I kept scrolling my bar because I want everybody just said, just skip it. It's horrendous. Just skip it. And I was like, all right, look, you know, I'm, I was kind of behind on this show. I just finished watching it the other day. I, I went on scroll bar once. And it's still going. Went to scroll bar again. Jimmy Lloyd is still on my screen. I'm like, all right, whatever. I go again. Eli Everfly still on my screen. I'm like, what the fuck is this match ever? How long was that match? How I didn't even see a match time. Was it like I don't know, twenty five minutes long? I don't know how long it was, but it was. It felt too long. Is is all that matters. And and as a result, nobody got over. In my opinion, it, it just it was not good, and it, it should have been short and sweet. The problem with these Janela shows is they're too fucking long. Mm-hmm. Spring Break was too long. This was too long. A lot of the matches are too long. The best stuff on this show, at least from what I saw, because I didn't see the first two matches, was the stuff that was kept short and sweet, and the no- and you were able to just get in and get out with the novelty of it, and it was fun, and it left a smile on your face. Uh, the stuff that was egregiously long stunk, and it sucked all of the energy out of the show. These Joey Janela shows are great ideas. Uh, they're a lot of fun. Um, they're the hot thing right now, and they need to be two hours long. These shows cannot be three and a half hours long anymore. It's too much. And a match like this should have been eight minutes. I don't know how long it was, but it felt like a half hour. Okay. Teddy Long, Chris Dickinson. I'm sorry. Teddy Hart, Chris Dickinson. <laughs> he might book Teddy Long. I was like, holy shit. Match. I missed the match here because I didn't. He might book that. You never know. That needed to be six fucking minutes. Okay. Nick Gage, Sabu was awesome because it yes. was in and out. You got Sabu, you got Nick Gage, you got the crazy dynamic. Uh, Jinsei Shinzaki versus Joey Janela was awesome because they got in and out, you know. And Jinsei Shinzaki is a guy, okay, he's the most boring good wrestler of all time. <laughs> I know. You know. I mean, he is. I, he and really people, is, man. I love Adam, him, but then he and I wrestles love him too. And just like, ah, oh, yeah, you're not always great. <laughs> but he's a boring guy. He's a slow, methodical working guy. Some of his most famous matches are Bad. The great Muda match from 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 uh, from Battle Formation '96. That's not a great match. You remember it because it was bloody and it was the great angle and he killed off Hakushi and all those sorts of things and the symbolism. But it wasn't a great match. A lot of Jinsei Shinazaki stuff over the years has been methodical and slow and boring. To me, his best body of work was WWF. And I'm not. That's not an insult. I like the guy. But all the, look the match in ECW with with Hayabusa against. Um, um, Rob Van Dam and, and oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. sloppy as fuck. Memorable. Yeah. I like it, but sloppy. Look, he, he's like the worst good wrestler. At, like he's he, he like well, that match wasn't sloppy because of him, but he's like a boring guy. That needed to be. My fear was that match was gonna go long, like the fucking great Sasuke match, which was awful. The great Sasuke Joey Janela match stunk. I couldn't. It just never fucking ended. This one was kept short and sweet, and it was fine. You know, and PCO Riddle was what it was. It was just silly and stupid and fine. I had no problem with that. Ethan Page, Penelope Ford was a waste of time. Uh, Teddy Hart, Chris Dickinson was too long. The ladder match was too long. And I can't say that this was any kind of great show or anything like that or even super fun because it was too fucking long. And and you're just like a lot of these, you're just waiting for them to end. The concept is good. It's fun to see some of these people. But man, they really need to tighten these things up. And sh- two and a half hours max is all you need for these things. And then the fun novelty shit, uh, you, you know. But but you can't. Some of this shit is just it, it's too overwrought. That, that's my opinion of these anyway. As someone oh. who stood in New Orleans until four o'clock in the morning, it was it was, ridic- it was ridiculous. It was yeah, way you too. You felt fun. what it was like to be hungover the next morning, from what I heard. Like even though you don't drink, you were like, uh, you know what I mean? Like it's just you know. But no, the um. 
I liken it very much. And, 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 and this is in both a credit to Joey Janela and, and sort of a criticism of Joey Janela and these produce shows. And, 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 and I guess a credit and a, and a, and a, and a you know, a negative to a game changer as well. These feel like ECW pay-per-views. You see the card, you go, even today, we, we always say when you go back on the network and watch an ECW show, you look at, I'm just throwing it, you know, Heat Wave 96, and you look at the card and go, holy shit, like this guy and that guy, and oh my God, this looks awesome. Then you sit down and watch it, and it's awesome to see the entrances, it's awesome to see the ambiance, and the matches just don't, you're just kind of ready for them to be over once they start, because you want to get on to the next awesome entrance, the next awesome character, the next awesome thing or whatever, but the actual matches, the actual wrestling seems to leave you underwhelmed, and that even happened in real time with ECW too. I remember watching as a kid and being super pumped about some ECW pay-per-views and them just not delivering on the same level. They're very good at like nice, compact things, like the best ECW matches ever were the ones that were 10 minutes, you know what I mean? Like matches that were super tight, super compact, sometimes they got a little too long, and those ones just didn't quite work for whatever reason even they could even be with two guys that were okay that just seemed like for whatever reason when you were watching ecw you were there for the spectacle you were there for the names you were there to 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 see these same people this 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 variety show of wrestlers and go oh my god i can't believe this guy oh my god i can't believe that guy but then a lot of times when the bell would ring and the match would go on you're like all right all right i'm ready i'm I'm ready for the next thing now i'm ready to kind of get that next thing and 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 that's fine you can do that but then you what you have to do then is tighten that up and make things short and make this thing because if this if this show was two hours i don't think anybody's leaving disappointed i don't think anybody's saying oh my god because this and i wasn't disappointed by watching this anyway you know i paid you know i i got my fight tv thing and i enjoyed it, was, it. Yeah, i thought, I thought yeah. it was fun i thought it was a fun spectacle but i can get how if i'm there live or if i watched it in real time i was able to skip some stuff i would be kind of like all right dude let's let's go let's get going here because i thought the card was fun i thought the surprises were fun i thought everybody that was on the show played the role perfectly i thought there was a nice amount of comedy the nice amount of nostalgia the nice amount of they just they nail it they nail the aesthetics the promos were great the music was great the entrances are fun because they're playing music and having a lot of fun the sandman's coming all that sort of stuff all the little things but then the bell rings and then the bell doesn't stop ringing you know what i mean like it, it takes 15 minutes for the bell to ring again and you're like all right whatever man i'm ready for the next thing and there's a reason we're not breaking down the work there's not, not yeah, the yeah right right and, and and for that reason everything should be should be trimmed down and and and, and kept on the shorter side um you know and and these and and these these shows would flow much better again i i i like it well enough but man the middle portion of this show just sucked the life force out of me and that you shouldn't ever have that feel for a show that's just supposed to be fun like this you know it, it really should just be be in and out but look no, go out of your way and watch those first two those were i mean the, the mjf nate webb is legitimately the the best match on the entire show and really oh, yeah, well I, I, I gotta go back and watch them yeah. i understand it and i and i will i just you know why i watched live and i got home a little late yeah, so yeah. no, mean? and that is like a legit good match. You know what I mean? Like when I when I say it's not on like a, a sliding scale, like a legit really really good match. MJF, and I would never think that MJF and Sputter Nate Webb with interference by the lead singer of Weedus would be like a legit good match. That's what Joey Janela does for you, man. That's right. what Joey Janela does for you. He turns it, you know, you know. But uh, but yeah, it's like you're not coming here for for great wrestling. You're coming here for the novelty. You're coming here for fun. And what sucks the fun out of anything when it takes too fucking long? You know, it, it, you know, let's get in and out with these. Now, Jinsei Shinzaki, before people – like, you think about his most famous matches. The Undertaker match in Mission Oku Pro, was that a great match? Oh, no, it match stinks. No. The, the, the Great Muda match at Battle Formation, that was that a great stinks. match? No, but, but they're great. But the thing about it <laughs> yeah. is they're great spectacles. Yes. He I love watching him enter the ring. Yeah, I love watching him enter the ring. I like the idea of Jinsei Sensaki more than I do the actual you know, application of Jinsei Sensaki. He has a great aura. He has a great gimmick. He has a great he's he's and he it's weird. 
he doesn't need to go out there and have great matches for you to come away with it going, wow, that was that was kind of yeah. cool. He did you know? fucking nothing in this match. A guy standing ovation. What did he do in this match other than a nerve hold? I well, really did, honestly well, don't know. He did his rope walk, which he yeah, had. The, he oh, had he did. Oh, yeah, he did get that in. Correct. You got his greatest hits, which is which is fine. Rich, that's all you want. Right, right. A match like this, you want the greatest hits, and he and he went out there and gave you the greatest hits, and you got the entrance, and and you you well, he didn't do his like classic entrance, but you got an entrance, you got to see him. A lot of those fans probably never saw him live. You got the greatest hits, and they were in and out. Great Sasuke, you got all of that, but it was way too fucking long, and he stunk on top of it, and it's just that match was just a fucking mess. This was so much better than that one. Um. But yeah, so that was Joey Janela lost in New York. I mean, they're going to – look, they should keep doing – they can't – I think they've been smart about spreading them out too. Keep them on the big weekends. Don't overdo the concept and milk this baby as long as you can. And we talked about last week. Janela's a nerd and, and he's just like us and he's going to keep booking interesting, cool shit. And, um, and we'll see how far – and this has done wonders for Game Changer. Um so yeah, you know it's. Uh, I won't go to another one live. I'm not going to make that mistake again. I just I can't do it. But um, you know, I I will definitely watch the show WrestleMania weekend uh, when they come back for the next uh, spring break. All right, do so you want to talk uh, Triple Mania here? We got to. Oh shit, we got a New Japan too. Fuck, damn it. All right. No, we'll we'll push the destructions. Oh, that's not till September fifteenth. Yeah, we got yeah, time we, for that. So let's push the destruction stuff uh, to another show. We got to get to the lucha stuff. Um, we got Triple Mania coming up this weekend, and then the CMLL anniversary show. That card was announced as well. We don't need to preview that whole card. The only thing you need to know there for now, because that show is not this weekend, is as we suspected. Uh, with the direction of the Arena Mexico show the week before, uh, L.A. Park versus Roosh, mask versus hair is not happening. The main event for the anniversary show uh, is Matt Taven and Volador Jr. versus Roosh and Cavanario in a best out of three falls hair versus hair tag match. We thought we were getting Volador Jr. versus Roosh hair versus hair. We're not even getting that. It's a tag. There's no way to frame this other than a massive disappointment for everyone involved. Okay, we reached out to some sources, try to get behind the politics of this. Uh, The the idea that we're getting, the sense that I get, you can step in and give your take based on what we were told, is that CMLL probably knew all along that we they weren't going to give us Park versus Roosh, which a lot of people suspected. You got to be careful with CMLL. They've pulled this kind of thing before and they're possibly milking it until next year because they knew that they can draw. Uh, you know, a big crowd and make a lot of money this year without doing the match. And, um, and you know, we're simply not getting it. We're getting this instead. Now, from a storyline point of view, Volador has been involved in the feud all the way through. He's been on the L.A. Park side against the Roos side. So it's not like it doesn't make sense what they're doing. It's just massively disappointing what they're doing because we're not getting Park versus Rush. Um, one source told us that Park and Rush have a handshake deal that Rush is going to be the guy to take the mask at some point, which is surprising to me because I just assumed that if they did this, Rush would just be losing his hair. But apparently there's a good chance if they do eventually do this match that Park can lose the mask. But he's going to want a lot of fucking money for it. 
As he and should. I mean, this is like the as problem he though should. is yeah, the, the problem is they like, you know, five years ago it might have been a little bit easier, but now the dude's a fucking superstar around the world. And he, you know, impacts got their hands in him, MLW's got their hands in him, he's big and like now it's you're gonna really pay up. this week. He's headlining the triple A triple mania show this week, right? You know, so it's like yeah, he is a star. So yeah, he should want a shit ton of money to lose that mask, and it's just a matter of, of whether CMLL is gonna is gonna put up the money and he seems to be willing to lose it. Uh, to Bruce, so will it happen next year? I mean, we all want to see the match. We all want to see that mask versus hair. We finally want to see them have a match where they there, there's an actual definitive fall, and and it's not just a bullshit fucking DQ again. We all want that, and it's very disappointing uh, that they're not doing it. It's it's disappointing, but it's not surprising. I I think is the. Uh, is the basic feel around it. So that's the main event we're going to get. The anniversary show is on, uh, what is it? The, the uh, September 16th, 1. Or 16th, 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 16th. Yeah. So we'll talk about the rest. We're running out of time this week and we have to get to the triple mania show, which is happening, happening this weekend. LA park is on the anniversary show in the semi main event. He's teaming with Diamante Azul and, um, Caristico and El Hijo LA Park and they're facing uh no 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 what it, it it's a it's a six man match I'm sorry it's Caristico El Hijo D LA Park and LA Park against Diamante Azul uh King Phoenix and uh Pentagon Jr. uh in the in the semi so he is working the show they're just not doing the match everybody wants now Right, that's for the CML show, by the way, not Triple Mania. Triple Mania CML. we'll talk about here in a sec. Yeah. Oh, I, did I actually say yeah? I, I think I think so. Yeah, just in case, because I was like, I don't know what the hell match you're talking about, but no, yeah, that's that's the CML show. So again, he's he's on it, but it's just like the least. Nobody wants that match. No, everybody. They've been building on TV for one match, and maybe according to some people, they knew goddamn well it wasn't going to happen, but they didn't stop building it. The guy still hyped it up, and then. They finally announced the card, and there's nowhere to be seen on that. And the thing about it is CMLL is using the excuse that he's in the mask versus mask match at Triple Mania. Which he's been earlier. in for, we've Which been talking been about it for three months, yeah. They announced that months ago. So <laughs> right. it's just an excuse. They're using yeah. that as an excuse for why they can't book him in a mask match. Um, on their show, which is bullshit. It's just, yeah. it comes and also down to, too, cause it's like August 23rd. And I know, yeah, cards have just changed, whatever this sort of shit, but people have to make plans. You know what I mean? Like if people, and, and I know that there were a few people we saw in mentions that were like, Oh no, I bought tickets to the show. Like yeah. there were people cause they, they thought, and, and you know, why wouldn't you, <laughs> these guys are, are hyping it up. They're basically announcing it. Why wouldn't you believe that, you know, a few weeks out, uh, that that they would announce. I mean, it sucks. Yeah, you, you know, the show is in two weeks or whatever, two or three weeks, and and for people that plan on going, you're not getting what you want. I mean, you're not getting the match that they've been hyping up and the match that everyone's really looking forward to. What you're getting in its place is is fine, I guess, but it's not nearly you know what it was. I mean, this that was going to be one of the biggest lucha matches of the year of the decade of a long time, and it's just you're, you're not getting it. And, that kind and, of they, they've, and they've dragged main events out, um, you know, before. This isn't yeah. nothing new. For, for CMLL to pull this shit. So speaking of Triple Mania and the main event that L.A. Park is in for his mask, it's L.A. Park, Psycho Clown, El Hijo del Fantasma, and Pentagon Jr. So Fantasma is losing his mask. I think uh, I would be stunned if it's anybody else. It's obviously not going to be Park. 
I can't see Pentagon Jr. losing his mask at this point, not in this match. And uh, I, don't, I can't see Psycho Clown losing it. I mean, he'd be my number two pick if I had to pick somebody, but Phantasma's losing his mask. Yeah, and Phantasma loses the least by Pentagon. No fucking clue. Yeah. Pentagon would lose no, a ton no, by no, losing sure. his mask. Park the same way. I mean, Park is just not going to be the same guy without his mask. And Psycho Clown, I guess, but I think there's still a part of the aesthetic of Psycho Clown. Oh, of uh, course. Yeah. Where the mask, of course, works. Where Phantasma, it's just like, ah, eh, whatever, man. You know what I mean? He's just kind of like a normal looking dude, I'm sure. Like, he'd be fine. Like, I don't think he. He loses anything. Phantasma may gain something by yeah, exactly. I mean, he might be he's a guy who wants to make it in America, right, and maybe right. he's like, "I'll take my payoff now." I was going to say, and, if he wants to make it in America, this might be the good opportunity to do that. Get the payoff, and then you know, go do stuff with Impact and go do stuff with MLW or whatever the hell he does. And I've seen him. I mean, he comes to America. He's done Warrior Wrestling. I've seen him a few times live. He's done AEW uh, as well. So yeah, it's like a guy that seems perfect for. All those other guys, their identity is a lot in their mask where Phantasma, I don't know if any of his identity is really in his mask. Again, I don't follow Luch all that heavily, but it's not like this really super. I mean, I it, I think there's probably a 95 percent chance he's the guy losing it. Right. He's tall. I mean, there's no chance in fucking hell Park and Pentagon. Are no, 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 no. Those no guys chance. are not. No, Park, no, not yet. <laughs> he's tall. He speaks English. He's a good worker. He, he's no secret. He wants to make it here. There's I, I could totally it makes see all him. Sense in the world for him to do that. And, and just to be fair for, for people that don't know about this match, uh, it's a four way. And then the final two people, it's like an elimination and the f- final two people um, are in the mask versus mask match. So it's not like, you know, everybody's everybody that doesn't win is losing their mask. It's just the final two guys are the ones that are going to lose right. their mask. So correct. And there's a uh, mask versus hair match underneath with uh, Fabi Apache and Lady Shani hair versus mask hair. Of course, Fabi Apache, who does not wear a mask against Lady Shani. I have no insight on that other than I know that Fabi Apache is the bigger star. So maybe she's taking this lady's mask. But uh, you're asking the wrong guy, and I don't think Rich is going to be able to uh, no. break that one down. And by the time you so. listen to this, hopefully, uh, the Cubs fan usually blesses us with a preview. Uh, he just, yeah. just randomly throws it in our uh, our, our folder. So uh, I probably by the time you listen to this, there'll be a, a, a preview.